Valverde. Yeah! This is now the United States of Zombieland. knowledge on your dome delivering the fantasy football goo on a weekly basis year round this week's show picks to click in week six man it basically means we're a third of the way through your fantasy season and that is amazing hopefully you're not too deep down in the cellars because we are about to give you the, the information you need to take home a victory in week six as usual i am here with houdini to my left across the way i got stag party i'm d-rex we are Pyromaniac.com, and uh, man, good times all around, as usual. Good to see you guys on a Tuesday. We record this show on a weekly basis uh, every Tuesday, and um, basically we go through all the matchups, and if you want to follow along with those games, we do it off NFL.com. You go to schedules on the main navigation, then you go to regular season, then you click on week six, and then we're going to start going down. Uh, we'll get going, and we'll intersperse with thought and sidebar and all that good stuff. As you know, we usually go uh, somewhere between two and a half and three hours. If you're new to us, thanks for coming along. If you've uh, been with us for a while, we appreciate you. All right, Thursday night, October 13th. It's too bad it's not Friday the 13th. Um, what do you got, Solomon? Yeah, we got two teams on by this week. We've got oh, the yeah. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've got the Minnesota Vikings. So take all the necessary players out of your lineups. Just a quick mention maybe of Jaquiz Rogers, Houdini, what you think of him going forward for sort of a waiver wire ad, or you think Doug Martin will be healthy enough and he's more of a third down back. What do you think? Well, I mean, look, Jaquiz Rogers has been around the league for how many years? And he's always been this guy that can be maybe that give you a spell here, give you a spell there. I kind of uh, equate him to, he's basically like a Bobby Rainey. You know, same type of thing as a guy that has been able to, to come in, step in for a game or two, give you a couple big splashes, but he's not a guy that you can count on consistently. Doug Martin is going to come back. They've been waiting and having this extra time with the bye week to get him 100% healthy. So uh, Rodgers, you know, it, it's more about how long is Sims out for him. Does he now have a permanent role as that third down back? Um, then he has some value, but wow, he really stepped up his game uh, against the, the Panthers early on. Yeah, but definitely, it looks like Simmons might be out for the whole year. If not, he's on IR, so it's at least the next eight weeks. 
so Jaquiz Rogers should have that third down sort of Charles Sims scat back right type role. So he's going to have some value, you know, standalone. If anything were to happen to Martin again, you know, he's an interesting pickup. We saw pretty much nothing from Peyton Barber. And, you know, looking out on the free agent wire, there's, there's not many running backs that are difference makers out there at this point in the season. So we didn't hit that first game, man. Nice. All right. We got the Broncos down in San Diego at the Chargers. <sighs> Paxton Lynch didn't have his, a great opening. Uh, it wasn't a Cinderella story. Um, at all. So they look to be going back to Simeon at quarterback and today he practiced with his shoulder pads on. They wanted to see him throwing the ball around in, you know, kind of the restricted shoulder pads. Uh, it seems like all systems go for him to play two nights from now. Let's start there. Is Paxton is now all of a sudden Elway going to be like, hey, you know, it, granted, if Simeon is kind of a stick and could get hurt again. It's it's pretty much a Simeon season from here on out. I always thought it was going to be a Simeon season, uh, but there's some factors you like from Paxton Lynch. He's got the big arm, he's got the athleticism, but he's raw. And then missing a bunch of their offensive linemen and Stevenson and also Virgil Green, one of the best you know blocking tight ends out there. It, you know that obviously hurt a little bit. Going up against a, a tough matchup also hurt. So that rush was on him so fast, and sometimes it looked like he's, he's a great athlete, but sometimes it looks like he, he his his size almost looked like it was working against him because that rush was getting on him so fast. But I agree with you. The cannon arm, the throw, he can make all the throws if he can get that production. Yeah, I mean he's a specimen. He needs to learn the interest intricacies of the game, and that's something that Simeon does better. And for a team built around sort of running the ball, getting the ball to their two wide receivers, Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, uh, and then defense, you know, Trevor Simeon's a better fit to be this team's quarterback for the remainder of this season. Yeah. Now, you know, health barring, he's got to be healthy enough to play. Uh, definitely this matchup should be a little bit better for Simeon. They're expecting both Virgil Green and Stevenson back, so the protection should be a little bit better. Uh, and that'll help because, you know, San Diego's lost so many players, including, you know, star defensive players like a Jason Verrett. Um, anti tail out of their linebacking court. Yeah, but they got that infusion from a Joey Bosa last week mm-hmm. who provided two sacks. So we'll see if, you know, how these two things sort of match. But you got to like it for most of these players. Um, on the Broncos side, it's pretty exciting to get C.J. Anderson, who's been struggling, and Devontae Booker, who's starting to get you know more and more snaps on a weekly basis. Yeah, what's interesting with the the running game is that you have um, the fact that uh, that uh, C.J. Anderson he has really not been that effective. But you look at this matchup, and here's where you can get a payoff for him this week. It could be him getting in the end zone. You know, the Chargers have been. A pretty decent defense. They're only giving up it's like 84 yards per game on the ground, but they have given up the the tied for the league lead in rushing touchdowns allowed at eight on the year. Now the other thing that you were mentioning how it could be good for the rest of the guys on the offense too. Think about for both Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. This is a defense uh, that has also really struggled in not giving up the, the big, big uh, pass plays, like the 40-plus yarders. They've only given up, I think, three of those, but they've given up 20 pass plays of 20 yards or more. So they've been getting gashed in those, and those are the exact zones that Demarius and uh, Emmanuel Sanders work in. So 
in both Booker and uh, you know C.J. Anderson have a good matchup in terms of catching the ball as well. They're, they're allowing the most receiving yards to opposing opposing running backs. So that's a good sign for both those guys. Booker's been getting a little bit more work on third down recently. So you're sort of encouraged by what you're seeing for Booker. I think he's sort of that long-term add, you know, just based off, you know, the health that C.J. Anderson hasn't always been there. Yeah, and he's a guy that I've had perpetually in my waiver wire piece in that guy to stash because he is that one step away from being the clear guy. You know, this is why they let Ronnie Hillman go. This is the, you know, they have full faith in what Devonta Booker brings to the table. So, you know, this is definitely a guy, if you have that space on your bench, you can stash a guy. Or if you're a C.J. Anderson owner, you should definitely own him in that case anyway. But we've seen him start to get more and more touches in the offense, and he's starting to just be used in more and different ways. And we started to see him also being used as a receiver, which was the first time that we had seen that. Uh, he only had, like, one catch in each of the other games. I think he had four, three or four catches last week. And then talking about Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, this is a team that sort of feeds it through their you know, two wide receivers, and the rest of the guys are just picking up scraps. So I think they both got pretty decent matchups. Uh, they're both going to move around, and depending on the health of Simeon, it, it should be all good for those guys. I think they're both sort of wide receiver twos this week. You know, each of them has that touchdown upside. Demarius has been doing, you know, scoring touchdowns on a more weekly basis, and he's also got such a high catch percentage this season and you know that's something he sort of struggled with last season so they're getting the ball out to Demarius pretty accurately so I think if you're you own either of those guys you're pretty happy um outside of that I don't think Virgil Green's sort of a fantasy starter anymore they're going with a lot of Jordan Phillips he's been out of the lineup though he should be back this week let's flip it over let's talk about San Diego Phillip Rivers going against Denver I want nothing to do with on a short week uh, even if it's at home, I'm going to avoid Phillip Rivers uh, against the Broncos. I want nothing to do with the Broncos you know, defenders. Uh, I would say you want nothing to do with the Broncos defenders either. The, the Denver Broncos who have given up 928 passing yards on the season. Uh, they've only allowed three uh, passing touchdowns against them. So, yeah, you know, this is one of those things where... No, I, I, I think that Phillip Rivers has had a nice run. It's nice when you're playing against teams like the Saints and teams like the Raiders. Uh, this is a different beast altogether. And, and let's just talk about you know these cornerbacks and what they're doing to opposing wide receivers. So we updated this. We told you the stat last weekend. Let's update it. You know, 44 catches on 93 targets for 515 yards and one touchdown. If you own a Tyrell Williams or a Travis Benjamin, even, you know, Dontrell Inman, these guys should probably be on your bench. You should be looking for other options. They've shut down Julio Jones. They've, you know, held down pretty much, you know, T.Y. Hilton. The only guy that's really gotten off against them this season is Kelvin Benjamin in week one. And since then, and they have shown no signs of, you know, that happening to them again. And Benjamin did that in the first half. Yeah, and sure. then they shut him down. They have four four guys on that secondary, uh, you know, guys that are not even the starters. That could be starters on any other team in the league. Definitely. So I'm avoiding all the receivers. Melvin Gordon, though, he's sort of maybe your interesting, your best play on this team. They, we saw Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman both have, you know, pretty sizable games against Denver last week. Denver, you know, just doesn't look as strong up the middle. Lu- Lu- uh, losing Luigi. Luigi, <laughs> Luigi Mario, Mario's brother. Losing Malik Jackson, that hurts them. 
Um, we, I, we've seen it all season. Danny Trath and we've been talking about it. How they can give up a little bit more up the middle. And that's sort of Melvin Gordon's game. He's got to hold on to the ball. But other than that, he's getting such a high market share of touches, both in the receiving game and the run game and the red zone. Like, his targets are the most valuable ones in fantasy. But, yeah, you know, his yards per carry is leaving a lot to be desired. You know, there are some issues. So I think he's more of a running back, too, this week. But always that potential to score. He's done it in every game of the season. Yeah, any guy that's getting as many touches as he is um – you need to play that player. So, and in this game too, I could easily see him getting a lot more receptions because it could just be that check down when, when Rivers is looking and there's nothing available and he's just going to keep dropping it down to Melvin Gordon. Now, you know, think about this also. The, the Broncos have allowed six rushing touchdowns against uh, this season. So, the one thing I look at is the Vegas spread on this one has this spread only has three points. The Broncos are only favored by three, which is one of the smallest spreads out there, along with the Kansas City and Oakland game. Doesn't that, and we've seen the Broncos, while they still have a great team and they're a defensive-minded squad, they're, get, they're allowing people to score on them. They're, the stags, like you said, the, the people can run on them. Doesn't that give you a little bit of hope for uh, Rivers and being able to get some? I mean, I think it's more of a running than passing, but... Isn't there a little bit of hope if Vegas thinks this is going to be a close game? And what, I think the over-under the over under is 45, yeah, I think 45 points. You know what it is. It's it's one of these teaser games. They're trying to, to get you to feel good about, about San Diego, I think, because this is also a, a belief from uh, Vegas right now. They don't trust what uh, Denver's bringing in at, at quarterback. So they are basically probably looking at this line saying, we don't think that Simeon's going to play. And it's one of those ones that if you, you kind of jump on now, um, you know, the offense looks a hell of a lot different when Simeon's running it at, at full strength than when Paxton Lynch is at this point in time. Well, let's, let's hope for the Chargers' sake that they don't shoot themselves in the foot uh, like Tlaib shoots himself in the leg and lose another game where they're leading with two minutes to go. I can see that definitely happening. Time to nut up or shut but uh, let's go get into the tight ends real quick. Hunter Henry, you know, had another big game, and he's sort of looking like a guy you need to own. And definitely, even though Antonio Gates is back, he's only playing, you know, a handful of snaps each game. They're using him in the red zone and, you know, here and there. But Hunter Henry's a guy they're using to stretch the field vertically out of the tight end position. And Denver, you know, has been beaten up by tight ends so far this season, 74 yards to Greg Olson. I mean, that might be their best matchup in the passing game is a guy like Hunter Henry going down the middle. And Antonio Gates is probably going to get, you know, some catches and end up, you know, with a fairly decent stat line. So if they're attacking this Denver defense, they're probably going to do it up the middle. I would agree. I mean, because that's where you're talking about missing Danny Trevathan, and that's where you're having the weakness that, that has been exposed. And I will tell you this, I'm, I'm 100% on board the, uh, the Hunter Henry bandwagon here. Um, he's been in the, uh, the wave of RPs for the past couple weeks. This is a guy, okay, i got to stop saying that. <laughs> so, uh, Hunter Henry, I love what he brings with his speed and that vertical. Um, this is something that Antonio Gates used to bring to this offense, and it was a huge part of the success that Phillip Rivers had with him. He just doesn't have that ability to break away from anybody anymore, and he's getting shut down as soon as he catches the ball. So this is where Henry is getting the better opportunities, he's running the better routes, and it's going to continue to increase. Yeah, so far this season, he's averaging 17.5 yards per catch. Well, there you go. 
All right, let's move on to the Sunday games. And I'm on one knee right now. You can't tell, but I am Colin Kaepernick, and I am starting quarterback. Week six, the Gabbert experiments. After a huge week one by Gabbert and a victory, it looked like he uh, was going to be have a good season. He has had, what, four straight under 200-yard games uh, and looking like garbage. It's, Ka- it's Kaepernick time. Let's just start talking from a fantasy standpoint. Is he worth picking up? Is he someone that you have high, ex- high expectations or any expectations for uh, in fantasy moving forward? See, the thing is, I heard Buffalo's just going to play the national anthem between every snap. <laughs> <laughs> so it forces him to take a knee on every play. So that'd be a lot of negative rushing yards. Yeah, that's um, good. But on a real notes, you know, Colin Kaepernick's a guy who needs you know, to run to have success. And we saw last week that, you know, they're going to let Blaine Gabbert run. They're definitely going to let Colin Kaepernick run. I mean, Blaine Gabbert ran for 70 yards and a touchdown last week in this Chip Kelly offense. You're, I like what I see. He's got – I think he's worth a speculative ad. Uh, you know, I don't really like him on a short week sort of going to Buffalo in a 1 o'clock game where you fly across the country as a West Coast team and you play at 10 o'clock. I don't want anything to do with that. But – you know, Colin Kaepernick, long-term, I think he's going to have some good games against some more, you know, sort of cupcake defenses. And even those tough defenses he plays against in the division, he usually plays them pretty well because they just let him run. Yeah. You know, again, you're right. This is a uh, not a guy to, to think about, oh, uh, he's getting the start. Let's go ahead and play him in this matchup. Not only going uh, all the way across country, which is a bitch, uh, the fact that the Buffalo Bills have only given up two is, it, is, that, is that correct uh, that I saw passing touchdowns on, on the season? So when you see that with six interceptions that they've had as a defense, um, I'm, the, you know, they've been had more for yards, but they're not giving up the, the, the passing scores. This is one that he's going to be running for his life. It's just not going to be a very friend, a fantasy-friendly game. I would, uh, if you grab him, grab him for a stash, wait for that better matchup like Stag said. One where he's really going to be able to exploit teams on the ground, and he'll make his best impact for you then. Well, they haven't they haven't given up a passing touchdown since you know week two to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, the one thing about Kaepernick that we got to remember, his fantasy points never came through the air very much. Anyways, I think his most touchdown passes ever were twenty one. So he's going to beat you by a well-rounded rushing attack. So um, I don't think that deters me too much from a Kaepernick. If I'm sitting there and I'm in a deeper league or a two QB league, I know that we in the Scott Fishbowl we had him sitting around, but we thought he'd be starting at the beginning of the season. Now we got Tom Brady that just came back, so we don't really even need Kaepernick. But hey, with all the negative stuff that's going around with Kaepernick and all the negative press and all the social media and all the hatred, it's just nice for him to actually kind of be on the field and. Play, play, and you know, put his shut up, his shut his critics up with his play, or fuel more fire for his critics. Well, and, and, and the, crappy. The thing that I'm really interested to see what happens with him back there is what happens to a guy who has just really emerged as becoming uh, a guy who's basically available in almost every league. Jeremy Curley has been so effective with Blaine Gabbert, getting nine targets, uh, thirteen targets. Six, at least he's had his six. He's been double digit twice in targets. So Jeremy Curley was effectively working with Blaine Gabbert. He was getting the looks in the red zone. He had scored a touchdown in each of his last two weeks. 
We're going to see how this affects on these shorter routes because one thing about Kaepernick is a guy who owned him a couple years ago and just lamented watching him was just overthrow receivers on crossing routes and, and toward the sideline routes. Yeah, but that's not saying much after seeing Blaine Gabbert do True. it for five weeks. But he was I mean, hitting them with Curly, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely concerning if you're a Curly owner. I think you want to see a game of Colin Kaepernick and his connection. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Curly's playing like the third amount of snaps of their wide receivers. Patton's playing more snaps than him. And so is Torrey Smith, who's just disappeared. So we won't really talk too much about them. But I think you need to see a game of Curly and Kaepernick together. That sounds like a, you know, hey, Three Stooges. Three Stooges. Or a Vaudeville act, no? But uh, I think you need to see a game and their, see their connection and see what happened with Curly before you could, you know, feel great about starting him this week. I think I had him rated, rated fairly highly, and then I saw Kaepernick starting. It's like, okay, down 20 spots. But he, Kaepernick's a guy who also likes to use his tight end, so that could be good for Vance McDonald if he can get back healthy. Or Garrett Selleck. I mean, other than that, Carlos Hyde is the guy you know you want to play. Just because they're rushing so much, and even if they're down, they're just going to run these little quick zones, and it's going to pick up a few yards, and he's going to get plenty of yards. Then when they get in the red zone, he's their number one you know, player there. So I think, you know, you definitely play him, but this is probably not the greatest week to play him against Buffalo. But they have been gashed by RB1 so far this season. Let's remember what happened with David Johnson and other guys. Should we uh, hit the other side? Yeah, hit the other Both side. Let's, rock, the let's rock through this one pretty quickly uh, and get into the next game. Talk about your tie god and, and you know what? LaShawn McCoy, RB1. LaShawn McCoy, and then the rest of the mishmash of players that you have there. Uh, and I'll give, I'll give you one nugget of a bright spot at the end. Go ahead. It's, it's, I only look at, at LaShawn as the most only guy that you can start. LaShawn is like an RB1 this week. Not RB1, like 1 through 12, like 1. He's number 1 <laughs> Like fire him up because he should go off against the San Francisco team at home, coming all the way across the country. Navarro Bowman, stuff we said last week, not good. Uh, Tyrod Taylor... Yeah, you can fire him up. He's going to be able to run. His passing attempts have really sort of been limited just because there's no passing weapons out there. But his rushing numbers have been great over the last couple of games. And then all of a sudden, these guys are the league's leading rushers again after that you know sort of crap start they had the first two weeks of the season. Um, Charles Clay, I'm, I'm, that's going to be a no for me, dog. And then, you know, <laughs> Marquise Goodwin, no, no. Maybe Robert Woods, but, you know, that's sort of a shot in the dark as well. So I think this team really comes down to the, those two guys in the backfield as long as he lines up behind center and not the guard. Yeah, so the one nugget I was going to give you was, was the Charles Clay thing. You know, his last two performances have been pretty good. for uh, Five catches for 47 and five catches for 73 last week. Um you know, he really still needs to show it more often. The fact is, though, because you don't have Sammy Watkins there and because you have all the other crap-ass receivers that, that Buffalo is trotting out there and because you have the injuries to Navarro Bowman and the inside of that defense, I look at Charles Clay this week as, you know, an opportunity. This is an opportunity where are you going to be the player that everyone thought you were going to be two years ago or are you still just what we've seen? So Cool. Let's go on to the next game, the Eagles are at the Redskins. 
Mr. Uh, Wensylvania has got his first loss because someone who's done it time and time again, Ryan Matthews, got a fumble late in the game and cost him the game. Uh, good matchup, though, um, for, let's just start with Ryan Matthews against Washington. You know, they're giving up 29 points-ish to running backs. Um, in addition to that, they're giving up 17 carries for 100 yards wow. to RB1s. So, Ryan Matthews is the RB1, 100-yard game. Sounds pretty plausible for this guy. They're giving up plenty of touchdowns. Uh, They're just getting gashed by the run game. There's three teams that are just getting crushed by the run game, and it's Miami, San Francisco, who you were just alluding to before, and and this squad squad as well. And Indy as well. Washington. Yeah, and Indy. Um, and what's the, 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 the what you were referring to with the RB1 piece? Let's give a little p- quick pyro promo. It's a great piece. The Pyrolytics um, just released for the first time last week. Um, and what did we call that thing again? I'm sorry. I'm positional not, points positional against. Positional points against. And what that is is a great thing that shows uh, for a quarterback and RB1 and 2, wide receiver 1, wide receiver 2, wide receiver 3, and tight end 1, how many points defenses in fantasy football are, are giving up to these players. And the chart is awesome. Um, just, a, just a great little new piece. We'll have, we started at week 4. And we'll have you know week number um, week number five uh, will come out. Uh, things that are on as targets. There's a target market share on there. The number of receptions each defense is giving up to a wide receiver one, two, or three. Uh, reception market share yards. It's pretty awesome. Fantasy points, TDs. Um, awesome, awesome stuff. We got another exciting new piece. Pyrolytics and Fuego. Pyro. Way to go, buddy. And that's literally a heat map as well. It's a heat map. It's a heat map piece, which is so awesome. It's beautiful to look at. Telling, telling stuff. Well, I think I think we have three new chart pieces that have gone up on the site in the last three weeks. So I love what we're doing on our content at pyromaniac.com. While we're sitting and uh, doing this, I'll give a quick uh, couple pyro promos, bundle them into one. Check us out on Twitter. Uh, Twitter.com forward slash P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one AC. Stag Party always killing it with his nuggets there. We do a retweeting of some of the greatest people that we respect in the industry. I'm having fun with some of my tweets. We retweet other interesting information, um, showing some pop culture stuff. It is a great, great piece uh, for anyone. And as we said on the show before, Twitter is... Twitter is a legit resource for anyone that's into fantasy football. The information there is as fast as possible, and uh, we've got a great account. So if you're new to Twitter, follow us, follow people we're following, all that jazz. Keep it up, Stag Party, and um, join us there. So that's all I got for that. Um, let's go back to the Eagles. Um, let's move over to the wide receiver action. Uh, Matthew's kind of... Yeah, since that week one performance, he's sort of fallen off. He's gotten less targets than guys like Aguilar and, you know, even Sproles. And, you know, it's kind of concerning. So you're hoping he can get back on track. But, yeah, they played some teams with some pretty good number one corners. I mean, you play Detroit, and now you have to play Josh Norman. So that's another sort of tough matchup for him. But, you know, if they move him in the slot, you might not see Norman that much, and they move him around – but he, he's one targeted. He's been making plays. But we're not seeing that heavy, heavy target share or that heavy, heavy load of targets that he got under Chip Kelly. Which, which you would also ex- have expected with a rookie quarterback. 
But this is no ordinary rookie quarterback. Now, granted, Carson Wentz also threw his first interception last week. Was on the last play of the game as he was chucking the ball yeah. downfield, so I'm not going to put that on him. But what he does, okay, but he's spreading the ball around to everybody in the offense. He's making all the reads. He is finding the guy that is open. He is not pushing the situation, just saying, this is my number one wide receiver. i got to throw everything at him. And that's why he's being effective. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not looking at anyone, which is something that we've always said, uh, you know, a rookie quarterback can do. Well, this is a huge challenge, too, because Josh Norman, who who Washington has been using beautifully uh, over the, after the first game or two when they were just trying to figure exactly out what to do, I love what they're doing with him now. He's, he's moving all over the field. He's, he's taking things away. I want to see how many times Carson Wentz is going to go after Josh Norman and what kind of success he has when he does. And that's kind of one of those things that I want to see afterward and the battle in the game. Uh, and, and that'll give you a good read as to how this quarterback is reading situations. Now, the NFL hype for Wentz hasn't translated to fantasy football. I, you know, he's been a pickup guy. Now a lot of people are, have picked him up, and he's starting to be a, a starter for people outside of rookie leagues as well. What are your thoughts on him? I mean, I'm thinking that his, 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 his ceiling is low, and his floor is pretty mediocre. He's never going to bottom out on you and have a terrible week, but he's never going to come in there and give you that explosion factor. What are your thoughts on him as a fantasy quarterback? You're talking for, for this year. For, for this game, for this year. I would agree with you. I think he's, he's, he's a very competent floor. You know, I, I, I don't look at him as necessarily with the weapons that they have and the type of game that they're trying to to uh, to employ, which is going to be more of a running attack. You're, you're on the road in this game. Are they going to be having to fight from behind? I don't know, because that's what Washington seems to be doing every week is coming from behind. So I, I, I just don't know that you're going to see those necessarily – Unless the game just kind of has like a weird open flow to it, where he's to be thrown for 350 yards or whatever. But long-term future, and it's a guy that if you're in dynasty leagues or you're able to uh, in keeper leagues, that's interesting. Well, what happens if they add another legitimate wide receiver for him to throw to, and Zach Ertz finally stays healthy and, and does what he's supposed to do? Well, now you got a lot of weapons for him. Well, yeah, but the thing is, he's got a 10.4 for the rest of the season. Yeah. We've sort of seen that. And he should, you know, maybe have a 25-point ceiling. But that ceiling is going to be once or twice a season. And he's already sort of done it against the Steelers. But, yeah, he's definitely an interesting prospect, streamer. He doesn't have that weekly upside that you want just because they're not going to open it up and say, hey, here, you know, throw the ball 40 times. I mean, his attempts per game, 37, 34, 31, 33. They want him in that low 30s range, and they want to run the ball. This is a Doug Peterson team, and it's an Andy Reid coaching tree team that wants to establish the run game first. Okay, speaking of Andy Reid, who would you rather go into battle with on a weekly basis, Alex Smith or a Wentz? Carson Wentz. Mm, Alex Smith. Okay. More rushing upside. I mean, that's about it. Here's uh, here's something, food for thought. Uh, Ertz, back, plays the game. Is healthy, obviously. They're not going to slowly move him back into this. He was on the field for 52. Uh, the Eagles, 61 offensive snaps. Good moves all around. Um, 
Just yeah, three targets. He's a dog. He's a, a, as you said, Peterson coming from that Reed um, tree. He's going to be used just like Ertz has been, you know, getting a lot of opportunities in that. If Ertz doesn't have a big game, people are going to start dumping him and keep an eye. And he was available two weeks ago, so keep your eye on Ertz. If he doesn't have a big week this week, um, look out on the waiver wire for him. You might be able to still, uh, you still might be able to get him on your squad. Well, instead, you just brought him. I like him long term, is what I'm saying. I, I understand, and, and, and I, but this is also kind of plays into what I said. When you said he only had three targets. And, and with all those snaps. And that kind of back plays into what I was saying, too, about Carson Wentz. He's just a guy who's not just going to look for you just because you have this name or whatever. He's, he's making his, his reads, and he's going to throw it to who's open. And if that's Josh Huff, that is Josh Huff. Yep. No, good point. Well, All right, let's hit Washington. Wait, wait, wait. you gotta, you got to give me a chance there. Say there's a chance. Say there's a chance. Rule number one for surviving Zombieland, cardio. When the virus struck, for obvious reasons, the first ones to go were the fatties. Poor fat bastard. <laughs> Alright, the Redskins, after a slow uh, two losses, um, Cousins isn't doing too much damage in fantasy, but um, they got three wins in a row. Where are you? Where are you guys right now in the Cousins? Uh, it looks like every week that he's still got to prove himself. Is, is this a week that he can can do something against this Eagles squad? I mean, he's going to have to. We, we've seen you know Matt Jones you know, have some good games, have some struggles last week. And, you know, Jay Gruden comes out and says, uh, Jay Gruden comes out and says Robert Kelly is going to get more work because he looked better. Uh, yeah, so that's that's a little bit concerning if you're a Matt Jones owner. You constantly see Chris Thompson, you know, taking some work away. Uh, I test looking better. They can, he makes nicer. He makes bigger plays, in my opinion. I'm a Matt who? Jones truther. Oh, Robert Kelly is or uh, Chris Thompson? Both. Okay. <laughs> Definitely Thompson. Uh, but yeah, they're gonna murk up this running back situation even more. If you're a Matt Jones owner, be a little bit aware. Uh, besides that, these wide receivers are shuffling on a weekly basis. And how they're getting things done, I mean, Deshaun Jackson's been quiet the last couple weeks. But now he's playing Philly, and he got the Philly revenge narrative. And he's torched Philly, you know, the last couple times he's played them. Torched games. Don't, so, don't, don't entice me into playing this putz again. <laughs> I played him last week. I just, whenever I play this guy, it's the dud. I mean, literally, literally, my career with Deshaun Jackson, he's on my bench, scores big points, and I never am pissed every time I play him. It's the two-catch game. You played him in any game against Philly. Oh, God. Yeah, more. You, you played him in division games, almost. You like, <laughs> he's been in that division for so long, yeah. But uh, We're going to revisit this one next week. I'm playing <laughs> him, but we're going to have a little... We're gonna have a little uh, Little wrestling, arm wrestling, or something. No boxing instead. Let's talk. But then Jamison Crowder, he he's been less and less snaps the last couple weeks, and it's been more Pierre Garcon and a big, you know, target volume to Jordan Reed, who's on pace for over a hundred catches on the season. He'd be just the fourth tight end to do that. Uh, so that's a pretty exciting, you know, sort of milestone for Jordan Reed. But if you're in standard leagues, you know, it's been hit or miss. He's got just one. You know, top 12 position a week. Uh, so hopefully you have him more in PPR than standard. And, and for the, all the Pierre Garcon stuff, it's like his game really wouldn't have been anything if he didn't have that touchdown catch. 
So it was five catches for 56 yards. Um, he's not the Pierre Garcon uh, when he was on Indianapolis who is going to give you these big high-end type performances. He's What he kind of is is Anquan Bolden of last year. But he's got a lot more elect dynamicism and electric. But there's just a lot of weaponry there. But he, but, Maybe, but he might do it for Haiti though. He's got Haiti on his mind. He might, he might be, he might be fired up to do it for his hometown. I know he was there this week. Maybe that's something to draw back on. I think he missed a couple practices going and checking out uh, the damage down there from Matthew. But I agree with what you say on on Garcon. I mean, also. The Philadelphia Eagles, we haven't really talked about it. They got beat up a little bit by Detroit and by Theo Riddick. But they're still allowing the second-fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, the the fourth-fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, and the fewest fantasy points to opposing tight ends. So you got to knock down your expectations with Jordan Reed a little bit and, you know, your expectations. But besides that, yeah, I think you play Jordan Reed. Kirk Cousins is a... Middle of the road quarterback this week, pretty close to average, and then Matt Jones, you know he's got to show some things because they're it's now a little bit more of a committee. All right. Well, before we move on to the next game, let's hear from these people. Awesome. The Browns are at the Titans. This, this is the game I yeah, had this game circled on my on my on my calendar before the season started. I am so excited for this game. I actually am. <laughs> you, you I am legitimately excited for this game. When people run, you walk. I like it. Why? Tell, tell, tell us, us why. why. Yeah. <laughs> tell us why. Let us sit back and have our Valverdes. I mean, Cody Kessler should be out there again after his little rib scare. So we should get to see you know a fairly competent quarterback behind there behind center. Uh, for the Cleveland Browns going up against Tennessee, who's you know made some plays here and there, but other times they're getting torched. So this should be a pretty good game for Terrell Pryor after you know a couple mediocre performances in the last couple weeks. If he could have you know sort of another step here, that's going to be good for him. It should be another good game for Isaiah Crowell. But this game's all about running backs, and I like watching teams run the football well. And this is something that should happen in this game. I mean, flipping over to the other side. Well, hold on. Before you go on there, one quick thing. Keep a lookout. Uh, McCown, it seems like he's going to be coming back sooner than people thought. He's going to be practicing within the next week or two. So, if you're in deep leagues, if you're in two quarterback leagues, if you're just just disheveled at the quarterback position, something foreshadowing wise, keep your eye on. And again, we have this discussion every time we talk about Tennessee. I look at this defense, and I know we talk about them getting burned. They're only giving up 222 yards a game through the air. Four passing touchdowns on the season, six interceptions. They they're just I don't know what it is. It's it's mucking the game up. Nobody so. has been able to to have a I don't know. Do you tell me what player has gone against Tennessee this year and had a amazing fantasy performance? Because every time that I see the top guys that I have and they're going up against Tennessee, they lay duds. Whether it's Adrian Peterson or whether it's these other guys. And the guy who, who lays the wood is on the other side, and that's your boy, DeMarco Murray. I love that guy. I mean, they just play that sort of slow style. I mean, it's something that's going to happen. But other than that, these guys, whatever. They play a slow game. <laughs> it is a slow game. But Lamar Miller had 82 yards. Like, these guys are giving up plays, and they've given up some big plays. And Parrish Cox has been burnt. 
They just seem to tap with the guys that they've won. And, and, and they're having a little bit, yeah, they're giving up points. They're giving up a lot of points to kickers, which is an interesting thing if you're looking for well, because, the Cody Marky play. Like, because yeah. then they're that defense that's like the old Bears defense under Lovey Smith. It's the bend but don't break defense. It's like we're going to go ahead and you're going to move the ball in between the 20s on us, but once you get into the red zone, we're going to shut you down. You're not going to be able to, to do have the same sort of success, and then you get a lot more kicks going on. I mean, they've given up three 100-yard receivers this season, Stephon Diggs, Marvin Jones, and Michael Crabtree. So those guys have all gotten it done a little bit. And all three of those were huge games, right? No, just 103, 118, 102. Okay, I thought... The, it was the huge games came against Green Bay, okay. which is why we expect a huge Odell Beckham game right. and five for fifty six and a touchdown. Yeah, um, thank you, Pierre Garcon. I mean Odell Beckham. <laughs> yeah, seems so. like a lot of people. A lot of our second opinions, part of the Pyro Pro package. Check it out. Um, a lot of people are getting offered uh, to dual players for Odell. What are I, I didn't look at some of the answers that you guys have been giving on these. Are you all in on saying take Odell on all these ones? It, it, no, I take it as with a grain of salt. It depends on the players you're giving up, yeah. and I look at each trade as its own merit. Of, of course, do you have still, the you're still, high, you're still excited about Odell long term. I'll tell you this: I am a guy in Ask. in my leagues that I'm trying to acquire Odell uh, from the teams that own him. Buy and low, buy low, and, and you know, try to offer still fair, fair, you know, type of thing. Where I'm offering two or two players for one or whatever. Fairish. Fair-ish, right. I mean, I'm going to get more turnout because it's that one position that I need. I need a stud guy, and usually, you know, it's one of those things, too. There are not that many guys that are like him, right? That it can turn around, and all of a sudden, you can have a five-week stretch that just completely changes your fantasy season. And I would, I would, I would bank on it. It seems like he kind of figured it out. He's realizing the whole just smile. It was a bad week in New York and everywhere for the past couple weeks. Feels like, all right, he realized he's got to have fun. He's got to, have, he's got a good life. Stop being such a little cunt. And let, he, let's, he made let's, up with the netting. Yeah, he kissed the netting. He did that. It was a sick catch. I mean, that was a at, great catch. At the end of the day, I think right now. So that was his first touchdown of the season. So through uh, five games, has one touchdown. What does that leave? Uh, we'll get to it later. But Alshon now is the only you know top elite wide receiver now at this point that does not have a touchdown. Um, yeah. All right, uh, Demarco Murray quickly. Uh, is, gonna, is he going to be able to keep up this uh, Demarco? Domination against the Browns. Yes. You, uh, so will Derrick Henry, Henry and Marcus Mariota and Delaney Walker. So, and I mean, Tajay Sharp droppable. Yeah, absolutely. God, that's crazy, man. Uh, I mean, he's a fifth round pick as a number one. Line. And where did this? Where did the? And, and what, were, what were they doing trying to hype this guy up so much? Well, but it's also look. They realize. I don't know if they realize how. Impactfully strong, their running attack was going to be. So, with that being said, they were probably leading a little bit more on the pass early. And, and you know what? You have so many wide receivers that there's just too much to choose from. They are a run first team and a run often team. So, it's just not enough in that style of offense, in the way, in the muddled way that they play, to give you enough opportunities to score consistently. The thing is, this is a Marcus Mariota week. Like, he is a strong, strong play. If you're looking for a streamer for your bye week, you know, you had Jameis Winston. Marks Mariota is an interesting player to slide in in the spot. Coming off, 
you know, the overall QB1 performance last week. They let him run. They let him run near the red zone. And seven times, 60 yards, and a TD he ran for last Sunday. Yeah. That's, if you can get him doing that, he becomes a dynamic fantasy football player. And it should happen against Cleveland. So, other than that, none of these wide receivers, I think, are really startable. I mean, who's the best wide receiver on this team? Is it Andre Johnson? Because he's getting all the red zone looks. But again, there's none of them that you could trust, which yep. is why the best receiver on this team is Delaney Walker. Okay. Uh, I'd argue that it's DeMarco Murray, but okay. Well, well, <laughs> well, DeMarco Murray is the absolute ultra back for this team. You talk about going from uh, the amazing situation he had in Dallas to the horrible situation he had in Philadelphia to now all of a sudden the blessed situation here with Tennessee. Just showing that he is he's everything that, that, he, that, he, that he could have been before for Philly. They've got that big dude, Derrick Henry, just breathing over his shoulder, unfortunately. It's true, but when I test that offensive line, the way they pull and the way they open holes and the speed that they have to, and the athleticism to get around the edge, to make things happen, it is just, you just see, it, it feels like old school, it feels like the the old LA championship um, uh, TD, the Broncos. Yeah, it feels like that offensive line where it's just like the defense doesn't have a chance against them. And this beer doesn't have a chance against me. Here's the deal, Columbus. Uh, I'm not easy to get along with, and I'm sensing you're a bit of a bitch. So, uh,. I gave this relationship to about Texarkana. <laughs> was that was that Columbus uh, in in honor of Columbus Day yesterday? No, well it could it could be yeah. Uh, no, Zombie Land is is the movie. So you've not seen Zombie Land? I haven't. So basically, a zombie apocalypse apocalypse has happened, and these people get together, but it's like you know what. You're going to die or whatever. I don't need to get to know your name. So where you're from, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. So that's why you get the name Columbus. Uh, Woody Harrelson's character's name is Tallahassee. Because he's from Tallahassee. And there you go. Got it. This, that, that movie did, am I wrong? Didn't that kind of in some backward way start the, uh, the zombie trend? I didn't think zombies were really so big. And then this movie No, that was, that was after like The Walking Dead. But really? they took a different spin. Zombieland... It's more of a comedy. It's a comedy. I, get yeah. I, get I get it's comedy. But really? I thought Zombieland was before that Walking Dead stuff started. No. I don't think so. All Definitely right. not. Plus, I'm there's this, sure. I don't have my zombie timeline down, so I can't really... They I, sure I, are I popular, these zombies. I mean, <laughs> they've been around for a while, but, you know, they're, they're screaming right now. Yeah. Some would Especially say the zombie weekend. craze started with the Night of the Living Dead back in 1954. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that into it. Nice Let's work. move on. Move on. <laughs> well, here's what, as, as a fantasy owner that likes uh, Mariota as a player, I'm hoping that he can, he'll continue to run and continue to get that going because then all of a sudden uh, it's, it, it's interesting. Trying to make him a pocket passer all the time, I don't think it's a great move. All right, next uh, next matchup, we're going to go to Ravens at Giants. Mark Dressman. See ya. See ya. Hot daughters are no longer in Baltimore. I think Tressman's going to be coming, going back to the uh, CFL. Um, I think he's just, old enough to where he retires or he's a quarterback. Co- I mean, he's gotten plenty of money from getting fired a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck this clown. 
Poor guy. That pretty much says it all to me. Yeah. So, what's what's gonna what's gonna happen at the running back situation? We'll start there. I mean, it's gonna be Marty Morningwood taking over at the offensive coordinator, and that's a big thing because is he gonna get a mandate from John Harbaugh that says? We have to stick to the run game. We are the Baltimore Ravens. This is what we do. We play a black and blue style of football. You know, Terrence West had 9.5 yards per carry last week uh, on 11 carries. He was at 95 yards, you know, pretty much at half. And they didn't decide to give it to him anymore, and that got cost him his job. So you got to think they're going to ride the hot hand at running back right now. That's Terrence West. Kind of Dixon played four snaps. He's not completely back yet. Everybody, hold off with this Kenneth Dixon talk. He's got to do something to take the job, and he hasn't done that yet. So let's slow that down. And Terrence West has to do something to let him have more touches. Yeah, like fumble, right? Which, which is something Terrence West does. So, so keep that in mind. Right. Um, but otherwise, receiver Steve Smith should be back this week. His ankle injury doesn't look that serious. Uh, Mike Wallace. Started that guy last week. Mike Wallace had another pretty good game. I mean, not nothing sensational, but pretty decent. He's a wide receiver, three, four, flex play. Uh, Sort of the same with Steve Smith. You know, Smith was off to a hot start before going down. Uh, And then Dennis Pitt up. Yeah. I was just going to say, you could see how Steve Smith was just, you know, on the common for getting all the targets. And now what you're seeing, too, is before you get to Pitta, is uh, Perriman is starting to get uh, some targets and looks. When they were taking the shots toward the end of that game, it was Perriman that they were taking the shots in the end zone. Yeah. You should have caught. You got to put your foot down, though. You yeah. should have had that touchdown. You got to just know. You got to. You got to. You can't just drag that leg. You got to. You got to stamp that thing. Yeah, it's a tough play to make. It's a tough play. You're a first-round pick. That's what you're picked to make, I guess. Unfortunately, he's a speed guy, not known for that uh, possession touch, toe-touching guy. Uh, Send him to ballerina school. <laughs> now it's like a Crockett Gilmore, Dennis Pitta sort of mix at tight end. Crockett Gilmore getting those red zone targets that are, you know, ever so fruitful at the red at the tight end position. You know, pretty much if you score a touchdown as a tight end, you're a top 12 tight end that week. So that's what you're looking to pick up is a guy with a chance to score touchdowns. Uh, and Crockett Gilmore is going to have that opportunity from time to time. New York Giants, they can be beaten by tight ends. But it seems like Pitt is the guy between the 20s. And then suddenly, oh, yeah, here you go, Crockett. <laughs> and it sort of sucks if you're a Pitt owner. But Thank overall, God. Let's, let's give a little, a little clap, a little round of applause to Pitt's hip. His hip. For still being, for still being his hip. You for, you for <laughs> still being in yeah. socket? You, you held you held together. You held together since the preseason. We're happy, we're proud of you. Keep it keep it together. Stay in there, buddy. What is hip? Can you tell me? <laughs> Do you think you know? What is that? It's the song What is Hip by Tower of Power. Oh, so that's right. Tower of Power. It has played on the podcast in years past. Hey, quick question. <laughs> um, you doing anything on Thursday? Besides watching NFL, do you want to go see a good rock and roll show with me at uh, Blues, uh, House of Blues? Sure, who's playing? Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, oh, yeah. Death, Death from Above, uh, 1979. Sure. I'll buy the tickets for both of you. You want to do a little pirate? Hey, we're not, Pyro, we're not watching the Thursday night football game. I need someone I need someone to go to me. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to have a Denver and San Diego in my life, so that's okay. I asked this one girl, I'm going to keep on taking, asking out on these dates, and she keeps on turning me down. I'm going to just move on from this. 
And I asked her, she's like, I've never heard of either band. She's like, can I have the weekend to listen to them? I'm like, um, yeah. And she basically got back to me on Monday. She's like, didn't really like either band. I'm like, great. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck off. You're basically not getting invited to anything else, you little jackass. All right, I'm awesome. She sucks. All right, let's. Should we go over to the other side of the ball on the Giants? Giants. Eli Manning. Yeah. Eric Flowers. What, you better back off. You say that to me again. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> Did you hear what I said? <laughs> better back off. <laughs> he is. I mean, Eli is too nice. I mean, if any other star Hall of Famer was getting just wrecked like that, but they grabbed him like, figure it out. I don't care what you gotta do. I mean, he's just that annihilated. I mean, he Eli should do to Eric Flowers what Eric Flowers did to that reporter and chuck his ass. Yeah, I <laughs> actually, that, that's right. I read about that. That was Flowers. He was so he's good at blocking reporters. He's just not very good at blocking anyone that's got an NFL contract. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, he hears this and has something to say about it. He's a big dude. I'm sort of scared. But, <laughs> but uh, get back, get back at, to it. At the well, don't worry. It was only Eli that was in the bitch slap. It wasn't Flowers. <laughs> it should have been. I let's, mean, give, let's give a little shout out to that before you go. And I'm not going to say a word about this Giants team. Uh, but check out Houdini on the web- website, pyromaniac.com. Uh, scroll down or do a search for it. Bitch slap. Volume one of four mm-hmm. um, for the season. Great cover picture. Houdini, please give us a little background on this picture uh, that, for this in the cover. Judge, Judge Houdini. I don't know where you got this stuff, but I love it. Was that uh, a taping of Judge Mathis? So tapes here in Chicago at the NBC Tower. So went down there uh, with my wife, and so we went for the filming. And the picture actually were in the. In the cover piece, you changed it so Odell Beckham is where my wife was <laughs> <laughs> with the bailiff, and so I got the afterward got to sit in Judge Mathis's chair, and uh, so you could look for me uh, to be behind the plaintiffs. Uh, and Judge Mathis is probably not going to air until sometime uh, between February and April. Yeah, put it in your calendar. Yeah, so, so, so set your DVR. Kind of like you in that in that Browns uh, Titans game. Yep, <laughs> got it circled. <laughs> I got you covered, buddy. We'll, t- we'll, t- we'll look out for you. All right, keep so going. So anyway, bitch slap though. For an article, it's just it's uh, it's not meant in disrespect. It's meant in in humorous fun. This is a chance for uh, me to take out some lashings on the players that have uh, you drafted high and have ruined your team so far. Uh, and this hopefully in a lot of them to spur them on to better ways because they don't want to be in every installment of bitch slap. Uh, lest they be a winner of the Golden Sombrero Bitch Slap. Yeah. Let's do it. I, it's, a, it's a friggin' hilarious piece. One of, well, I know a lot of you listeners and a lot of our fans love it. They, they may, I, I've been told via social media and a couple emails, like, who do you think just needs to do a Bitch Slap uh, podcast? <laughs> go on with the Giants. Maybe that's an idea. There you go. So when you talk about the Giants, you also talk about the Baltimore defense. That is another, you know... Run them down, drag them out, smack them in the face type of defense. They'll hit you hard. They'll make plays. They play sort of that keep away style of offense that you know restricts plays overall. So that's not great, you know, from the side of New York. Um, they're allowing the second fewest fantasy points to opposing running backs. We don't know if Jennings is going to be back, but even if he is, you know, you can avoid Darkwell. You can avoid, you know. 
You might you might be able to play Bobby Rainey because of his pass catching, mm-hmm. but that that's a desperation play. You know, Paul Perkins probably the same, and that's if Rashad Jennings is still out. We'll we'll see with his sort of injury. You know, if this is maybe the week he gets back. Yeah, and this is you're right about the way that they muddy it up. The thing that uh, Baltimore has done is that you know I don't think that you can expect anyone to to go off and have a huge day. Like even in Odell Beckham, I'm not, I'm not expecting like a 150 yard type performance against uh, this Raven defense. And but the one thing that they have done is I think they've only given up like just like a thousand forty some odd yards passing on the year. But you can uh, give up. They give up touchdowns. They got nine touchdowns that they've given up through the air. So. Maybe this is a chance for Eli to kind of right the ship there. You know, so maybe a guy like uh, a Sterling Shepard becomes an interesting play this week. Yeah, I think all the receivers are an interesting play. Like, Victor Cruz is now playing more snaps than Sterling Shepard, but this is a team that is extremely three-wide receiver heavy. But it all comes down to Eli. And unless Eli starts playing better and gets protection, it's going to be scary. I mean, they're going to feed Beckham, but then the rest of these ancillary players aren't going to get much. And we saw that sort of with Will Ty. I mean, Will Ty had a wide open, probably touchdown, and I just missed him. And it was like right over him and sucked. It crushed all momentum from yeah. that point on. They just didn't feel like they had the game and that they were going to be able to pull it off. I mean, so talk about. Should he have caught that? I mean, it was. I think it was an overthrow. Like he was pretty clearly open on his own. Yeah, it was wide open. And Eli does that. I mean, again, I don't, I don't want to use eye test because I, I, you know I've seen Eli make great plays. Two Super Bowls against the team I love, the Patriots. But I feel like Eli misses throws. Like no, that little like eeky look on his face. I feel like he always misses when he, when he puts throws. two hands on his helmet. Yeah, sort of yeah. squishes down his head. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, he, and then he's walking back and he's like. He doesn't even see it's like he swears. It's like, God darn it. That's he's how like, maybe that's he's like flipping on, he's like going his neck crazy. He's like, God darn it, Eli. Why aren't you Can you make that happen on his character? That that should be his character, is him squishing his neck. No neck no 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 squished out. <laughs> make that happen. We'll do it. <laughs> um, we'll do it. But uh it's sort of like Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins makes some great yes. throws mm-hmm. and then misses some of these easy ones. It's yeah. like, what the fuck? But I agree. uh Eli's got to get it together. Yeah, it His number of touchdown passes this the season is, you know, minuscule compared to what he's done over the first two years with Ben at McAdoo. He's got to right the ship, or else all these other players are in trouble. Can we can we can we talk about Ben McAdoo for a second? As far as like a guy that just I don't I'm not talking football or anything here. He's kind of weird looking dude. Like he does not look like he's football. Like to me, he looks like he should be straight out of either Office Space. Yeah, you know, like or it, that new show that's coming out about the Walmart workers. Yeah, that's or I can see. Him, I want to put him in like a button-down uh, shirt with no a, a white button-down shirt with no undershirt, short sleeve, and put him in a local dealership working on the service line. That's what he looks like. The guy who you like. You, you already talk to him cars, your car suspenders. <laughs> definitely. No, I agree. I, I, I did an image uh, where I put a, a CDW logo on, on his shirt one time. He looks like he'd be like a customer service guy. Like, <laughs> I think like that, that slimy guy that's in the, in the dealership. When you pull your car in and this guy like pulls up, they're sitting in the stupid car dealership all day long. It's hot. It's like there's nowhere for this to get the fan blowing on. That's what he looks like with that mustache and everything. Like It's weird. It's weird. You see all these guys before, and we'll move on. See all these hotshot players and all their fashion when they're walking down, and then you got 
Then you got fuck McAdoo walking in and it's like, hey, get this guy out of here. What's this guy doing here? Like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the coach. I'm the coach. He's got a, got a purple tracksuit on. Oh, he's terrible. All right, let's go. Should we go to the next game? Absolutely. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, guess what we're going to do? Before we do that, we're going to keep the lights on. Have a listen to this. But before we get to that, to that commercial, I want you to listen to this. Welcome to the zombie land. A viewer from Tallahassee, Florida writes, what's up with all the bounty paper towels? Okay, I lied. I wrote this one. Yeah. What's up? What is up with all those? Uh, the quicker picker upper? Um, well, it is thick. It is quilted. It's absorbent. And it's actually also one of my rules for surviving zombie land. Rule number 12. Empty. Ladies used to call me the quicker picker upper. And if there's one way to describe Zombieland, it is moist. <laughs> there are all sorts of unwanted fluids everywhere. No, he's right on this one. Brain, blood, vomit, pus, spit. Uh, actually, in the select a size roll is particularly nice. There's no waste. The no whole mud. mucus family. Did I say uh, butt mud? Oh, and the uh, the prints on the sheets can help put you in a good mood. Uh, they remind you of kind of like a gentler time. There are butterflies, kittens. I found actually a roll with uh, cupcakes on it. Snot, bile. Just generally... Okay, please. What? Just stop. <laughs> Thank you. I will say, Woody Harrelson, one of my fantasy teams, is getting destroyed each week, and I'm going to change the name to Butt Mud. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it in that order. I usually hear the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the Panthers at the Saints. Man, the Panthers... Uh, to me, I just feel like they, even before the game uh, happened last night, all the announcers on ESPN are like, the locker room, the gal, these guys are going to, they're going to fight for each other. They look disinterested. They look, even before the game started, uh, like literally Rivera, like looking at his watch, just, they just, they look like they like hit, hit won their World Series last year by getting to the Super Bowl. Time to nut up or shut up. Yeah. These, they're getting uh, nutted out. They, they, big time. What do you think, Stag Party? Well, the hope is that Cam Newton, you know, is back this week. Depends if he falls off his little scooter um, with this helmet that he's been riding on the concussion protocol. If he falls off that, he's probably going to have another week out, out of concussion because, you know, Derek Anderson didn't look all that great. Is it a razor or is it one of those like two wheel things? I mean, it, it wasn't a Segway. It was like a legit scooter. Sort of thing, like okay. it was in, be- bet- in between a Segway and like a scooter. So not quite a Vespa. Yeah, like I don't know how to, it was like a standing, standing Vespa almost. Hmm. Good grief! That doesn't sound smart. It's not one of those slingshots. Ah, I don't those, know. Those cars you ever seen those? No. Oh, they're the dumbest looking things. Next. Um, <laughs> so the hope is Cam Newton's back because if he is back, he gets the New Orleans defense. That he tore a new hole in last season in New Orleans. Let me ask you this though: if if he's back, if you are a Greg Olson owner who saw just basically what was it about sixty percent of the offense or whatever go through him with Derek Anderson there, um, are you rooting for Cam to not be playing this game? Absolutely. 
No, I mean, he's the only player. <laughs> he's the only player who's been tops out of his position at tight end every single week of the season. doesn't matter who the quarterback is for Greg Olson. He's, he's going to get his. He's a beast. And he seems to be the nicest guy in the world mm-hmm. in cancer. NFL Cancer Awareness Month. Every commercial he's in, that guy, just a great guy. Well, he's the guy that has, I think his child had a disability or something. Too. And, so his he's mom, and his very mom active, so he's mom very active in all that yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but talking about how he destroyed them last season, he completed 70% of his passes for 331 yards, five passing touchdowns, uh, one interception, and then he rushed for another 49 yards. Like, if he is back... Kelvin Benjamin should have a good game. You know, all these got ancillary players. I mean, Ted Ginn could even have a good game. Pretty much, if you own Carolina players, it, it's going to be good times for the passing games if Cam Newton's back. It's probably going to be good times even if he's not. The question is sort of the Cameron artist pain effect. Well, I think the one thing to ask, and I agree with you on the passing side of Cam returning, because they can't have him running. They can't have him being the cam of normal right now because if he gets one more concussion, then it's Dread City. Yeah. So they're going to have to change the cam inside the red zone, inside the 10, and the cam keeps and all that kind of stuff. It's just not on – it can't be in the playbook right now with him coming out of concussion protocol, especially if he plays this week. You've got to be careful on it. This is your franchise. This is your quarterback. This is. Remember what happened with Steve Young. Steve Young had won six passing titles – in a row for in the NFL. Six passing nights. I think he won two or three MVPs out of four seasons. That guy was just a beast in the mid to late 90s. And then just kept on getting concussions. Career over. Obviously Cam's a lot younger than Steve Young was. But for a quarterback that was a runner and plays that game with no abandon like Young did and like Cam Newton does. The minute... You have to protect this. Well, think about it, too. When, when Steve Young was playing, was before they had all the concussion protocols that they have now. Yeah. So you imagine how concussed you actually had to be to come out of games back then. Yeah. You actually had to be visibly wobbling and not be able to get yourself straight with, with, with smelling salts to not come back in the game. Yep. So what else we got for... Um for this uh, this squad, I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on Jonathan Stewart's health if he's able to get back this week himself, or you know, does Cameron Artis Payne deserve more work after you know a pretty admirable show? But there's also the question of is Cam back? Does Cam still retain goal line duties? You don't think he does? I still think this is Riverboat Ron. Riverboat Ron does what this offense is going to do and let Cam do what he wants. <laughs> I, it's one of those things. It's like you can't. I, I agree with you in this sense. <clears throat> Around the goal line, I, I agree with D Rex that you're not going to be making having Cam have as much freedom to run out in the middle of the field and, and and to take the extra shot to get the extra five, six, seven yards on a run. He needs to just slide and, and be safe. Uh, but I agree in the red zone. You can't take a leopard and change its spots. He is who he is. This is the type of player he is. So let him be what he is in that red zone. He is 245, 50 pounds or whatever. It's not like you're, you're taking a, a little 170-pound quarterback and sticking his nose in there. And when it comes to Jonathan Stewart, you know, the fact is that he uh, was seen in, on the practice field uh, before the game uh, on Monday night. So that's a good sign. 
But the thing is, even if he does play this week, I'm not expecting him to play in a full expanded role because they have a bye week coming up right after that. So it's going to be one of those ones that if you're looking at Cameron Artis Payne, I think he'll still probably get the majority of the workload, and they're going to wait until then. Give Stewart, make sure that give him a touch, give him a feel, make sure that he's out there and and worry free. But if we don't have to push him, let's not because we've got a bye week for him to be 100% healthy. But the thing is, if Jonathan Stewart's healthy, Cameron Artis Payne could be inactive. And then it's Fozzie Whitaker and Mike Colbert because that's happened a lot. Every time Jonathan Stewart's healthy, Cameron R. Spain's you know, inactive because of that special teams they like. But uh, we'll see. That's something we're going to have to see play out later in the week. But also, this could be a game where Fozzie Whitaker has to catch a bunch of passes You know, if they fall behind. This is New Orleans at home where Drew Brees has all these passing weapons, where Brandon Cooks has huge home road splits, Let's talk where about Willie yeah. Sneed has huge home road splits, where Drew Brees has huge home road splits. But all those guys are at home this week. You get the better side of those splits, you start Willie Sneed, you start Brandon Cooks, you start Mark Ingram, uh, I you, know, agree with you start Kobe Fleener, you start all of the Saints' weapons at home. I agree with you that you start them all. But what I want to know is, it's like I look at Brandon Cooks as this is a type of a game with his speed that he can kind of do some damage in this one. I look at this game as one that I really kind of like for Mark Ingram to finally establish himself. The way that Carolina is just, you know, see what you know about Quiz. Yeah, if Quiz is going to do that to you, now you're on the short week and and they've had the, the full extra week to prepare with the bye. You know, you're worried that they're just going to come out a little bit sloppy at first. That's kind of what we see a lot of times with these teams that have the bye. You have all the time to prepare, but they just kind of start slow in that first quarter. It takes them a little while to get going. But maybe that means more work for Ingram because they, they keep trying to keep it on the ground and establish that early on in the game. But either way, I like them all as starters. I think that I like Cooks and Ingram uh, the most. I think that I also really like a Willie Sneed. Um, is he done to be back? I think this is the time that he makes his, 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 his a comeback. I, well, I, he was already back a couple weeks ago before the bye. But I mean a statement type of a okay. game where it's not as much for, I'm not as high, I'm higher on him this week than I am on, say, a Michael Thomas or anybody else, or a Brandon Coleman or anybody else coming in there and stealing anything from the sneak. I mean, Carolina had three new starters in the secondary in that Monday Two night. Two of them were rookies. Yeah. I mean, these guys were all sort of brand new. And it's not like they can suddenly go back. They cut Ben Binwickery. You can't go back to what you had before that got beat up by Julio. Say that, say that name again. Ben 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 Wickery. I want it, That's a jersey I'd like to get. Ben Wickery jersey. That, that'd be pretty cool. Can I tell you like the, the strangest thing that I wanted to yell at a guy as I was driving down the street the other day? I see a Lions jersey. Okay. I see number twelve. And I'm going. I'm trying to think of like who was. 12, I'm, I'm far away, I can't read the name. Was that, what, is that Hipple? Is that Eric Kramer? Hipple was 16. Uh, I think Kramer might have been 12. Was Kramer, yeah, Kramer. No, that, that's not who it was. It was a fucking Charlie Batch jersey. Nice. Nice? nice. Like, like, I'm like, hey, the Charlie guy, Batch. The guy might be home, he might be buddies with Batch. You, you don't, but it's group. like, I mean, are you going to be one of these guys? That, like, like, my buddy Siegel, who you know, was wearing for the longest time a Bears Steve Walsh jersey. Whenever it was. Now, he had a good reason for it, though. 
Since Steve Wallace was the last quarterback that, that got us a victory in the playoffs, and until another quarterback wins a playoff game, I'm still going to wear my Steve Walsh jersey. Hey. So I said, <laughs> okay, I'm fine with that, but Charlie Batch, hey. Detroit Lion, does he also have a Charlie Batch uh, Pittsburgh Steeler jersey, a Charlie Batch uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer jersey? Yeah, uh, Charlie Batch, um, um, you know, clipboard. clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Quick question, Michael Thomas. It seems like he's um, getting more and more action, more and more play on the field, more and more, and might be the most dynamic. I mean, obviously Cooks is amazing, but he's just not performing since week one. Is Thomas, when you got Sneed there, when you got Fleener there, and you got Cooks there, is, is, what are your thoughts with Thomas uh, long term in this game? And then um, let's move on. I mean, it's five to seven targets on a weekly basis, and he's gonna make some plays, but. I, he's always going to be the third wheel right now. That's third or fourth wheel, maybe even fifth. Because they throw Snead had his moment this year? Yeah, week one he was better than Cooks. Yeah, week one he did a good week. Okay, cool. Uh, we good here? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to the Jaguars at Chicago. Oh, fuck. Which Houdini Mike is probably going to. Uh, <laughs> are you what? What did you say? Are you going to this game too? I think I got tickets to this game and I wanted to go to I'm going to You Michigan. said you're going to Michigan. I'm going to this game, so. Alright guys, back to the podcast. Oh. Jacksonville Jaguars. Take I got take I got Jaguars tickets for sale. <laughs> <laughs> Blake Bortles against the Chicago defense. Yeah, Blake Bortles is an interesting start this weekend. Allen Robinson's a great start against the Bears. We just saw them get toasted by T.Y. Hilton. They're coming off a bye. Maybe even T.J. Yeldon a good start this weekend. It looks like he's the clear leader of that backfield. And we've got to see if Chris Ivory is back and more involved this week. But I think until we see that, you know, the guy you got to start potentially is T.J. Yeldon. Ivory's, you know, not done much to inspire anything so far this season. Hearns finally had a little bit of a breakout late against Indy. He's maybe a wide receiver three this week. Julius Thomas should also be back healthy. Uh, he was out there practicing uh, yesterday. So I'm, I'm encouraged for all these guys against the Bears just because I don't think the Bears are good at football. You know what, though? But I, the Bears have shown me some things as of late on defense that, you know, number one, you got Trevathan back. So having him back out there with Freeman really helps out in the middle of the, of the, uh, of the defense, and especially in the run game. Um, and also that's going to have to play a key role in, in the guarding of Julius Thomas. But the thing is that it's been more with all their unknowns in the secondary, and you see a couple of these guys, you've seen Amos come up and start to make a couple of plays. This guy Callahan, if he stays healthy, man, he laid a hit on, uh, he's the guy that laid the hit on, was it Beasley? Was he the guy that laid the hit on Beasley in that game? Um, you, you're just starting to see things start to come together, but it's still a work in progress. So. I agree that you're going to have all of these opportunities out there for an Allen Robinson to get healthy. This is one of those ones where if they can just work their way into the red zone, this is one where Allen Robinson should be able to dominate whoever is guarding him in that red zone with the size advantage that he has. And, and uh, he should just be able to block out and get himself an easy touchdown this week. It should be a no-brainer. But maybe two? It's possible. I think this is this is an easy week for him. Hundred yards, hundred yards, and a touchdown. If not two, I just think the Bears have been playing above their talent level at, on the edges, and eventually it's going to regress. And going up against a team with a good wide receiving core that now, really needs a win. 
Yeah, that needs a win. That still has a chance. Houston's still the leader in that division. You don't think Jacksonville thinks they're still in it? Like, well, you see the way Houston's played? So. No, but here's the other thing, too. The, the guy who I'm questioning is um, an Alan Hearns. An Alan Hearns who really hadn't done anything until uh, in that fourth quarter uh, in London against Indianapolis, makes that 42-yard catch. Oh, what a great, what a great run that they went for the catch. Now, to me, I'm an Alan Hearns owner in the league, and it's one of those ones that I looked at that play as like, is this finally going to be the play where maybe he starts getting more targets? Because, goddamn it, you watch these games and it's like overthrow to Allen Robinson underneath the frickin' Marquise lead. Where the hell is Alan Hearns? Does this now say maybe we need to get him more involved like he was last year? And the Bears being a great opportunity for him to do. pay them ten million, they better get him the free. They ball. should. Um, let's go on to the other side of the ball and talk about the Bears. Hoyer, I think we can all agree the um, the Cutler era is pretty much uh, the door has essentially been shut. If Hoyer can stay healthy on it, he's a fantasy viable um, beast. Uh, Hoyer is, but but for who? Because it's not for Elshon Jeffrey. No, but for you can start. Hoyer is a playable. Oh start. yeah. I mean, he's a play, he's someone you can do in DFS and be happy about it. And obviously, if you're if you're in deeper leagues and you've been disheveled by injuries, uh, Hoyer's putting up those kind of numbers. But, but yeah, three hundred yards in three straight games, I think. For yep. Hoyer. Yeah. Um, the thing is too, because it's like it's crazy. You know, you, you think Cutler is actually the better quarterback, and we say this stuff all the time. Yet, for whatever reason, you bring in McCown, you bring in Hoyer. And these guys just start lighting it up within this offense, or throwing for a lot more yards. Um, the the I one thing that's called karma, maybe. But the thing that, that is most distressing to me is, is the Alshon Jeffrey factor. You were talking about it earlier. Here's the guy Odell Beckham finally gets his first touchdown. Alshon has not had a touchdown. You and he was wide open on the fourth down play yeah. to, well, and, and what to is win it? the game. I, yeah. Wide open. Wide open because because and, and this is the thing I was listening to some of the beat reporters. They were talking on the radio. They did a nice interview. I think it was Brad Biggs was talking here in Chicago, and he was saying that here's what's interesting: you have Brian Hoyer who comes out, um, or it was Dan Weeder, I can't remember who was, who's on, uh, who, who I'm quoting here, but he was saying that look, 127 pass attempts for uh, Hoyer since he's become the starter, and of those 127 pass attempts, only 18 have gone to Alshon Jeffrey. So that's that, one game when he's playing with Yeah, so, and, so let's go for the rationale as to why he says this happens. And he says, well, the, the part of the reason why it is is because he is not a quarterback who, when I talk about Wentz and about making the progressions and doing this, does not do that. He basically has his primary read. If his primary read is shut down, he goes to the check down. And a lot of times he's going to the check down early, which is why he's completing a lot of passes and, yeah. and they're doing all this stuff. But... You know, when you have a guy like uh, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, who's a uh, the, the stat that, that uh, the other guy that scored, uh, uh, Gawagi, the go up and get it guys. Uh, <laughs> so Gawagi, I, I, I like that. Yeah, so that's the term. Go up and get it. Guys. I like it. Uh, so <laughs> Sounds like a dot uh, com startup. Yeah. So you should buy the uh, the rights to that website, Gawagi.com. I'm I've, I'm doing. Um, Bejesus.com. Oh, that's right. You got that. Yeah. So, uh, but but for real, we'll talk. But but this is the thing. Is is Hoyer now going to finally? Now that we have all this data, you know, we're sitting here. The the, the Bears haven't won. You go back and look at the tape and go, oh my God, Jeffrey was open. Should this be one of those games where it's a correction game? And now I'm going to get Jeffrey's going to get 15 targets this week. I kind of have a feeling that something like that's going to happen. Eater, Although he's got Jalen Ramsey eater. on. Him. 
That sounds like a squeaky wheel. That's probably gonna get some grease here soon. Like, let's be serious. Like, Alshon Jeffrey's not gonna continue to get out-targeted by Cam Meredith and Eddie Royal. They, they, you're paying this guy $15 million this year. You're saying that, you know, you you want to re-sign this guy for the future because, you know, your first-round pick can't stay healthy. Uh, and Kevin White, you know, you, you want him around to potentially help a new quarterback in the future. So this is a guy who's the number one weapon that you have to keep happy. So the squeaky wheel is going to get some grease, and it should be this week. And I'm not worried about Jalen Ramsey. Like, he's had some good plays, and he's had some blown coverages. Like, they're going to move Alshon around, and he's going to be heavily targeted. But, yeah, what about Cam Meredith? What do you think about the other ones? Can I go back to your little squeaky thing? I'm going to go to Wizard of Oz here and the Tin Man. If I only had a heart, Alshon's got no heart. Oh. He's not a gamer. I'm going to Meredith. Prospecting. You are a dangerous man. You're gonna risk our lives for a Twinkie? Maybe there's a box of Twinkies in that grocery store. Not just any box of Twinkies, the last box of Twinkies that anyone will enjoy in the whole universe. Believe it or not, Twinkies had an expiration date. Someday very soon, life's little Twinkie gauge is gonna go empty. Remember, quickly before you go back to fantasy, I know we, we, we sidebar too much. Remember when Hostess stopped making Twinkies about four years ago? And people were like stocking up on them, and then like three months later, like, ah, we're idiots. Why would we not make Twinkies? We're, 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 we're going to make Twinkies. Like, sounds I like. I spent $3,000 on Twinkies. Sounds like the BS of, oh, we'll bring out new Cokes that you really love old Coke again. Yeah. We got no Jordans, but now one thing on Twinkies, there's deep fried Twinkies now available in the store. In know. the store? Yeah, you can get deep fried Twinkies. Huh. Boxed. Like regular Twinkies. I don't know what it is. I don't need Twinkies. But you can get them. Stag party. Talk fantasy. I'm sick of talking about fantasy. So I'm going to keep talking about Twinkies and hearts. <laughs> Wizard of Oz and Dorothy and the Wicked Witch in the West and East. So, I think all your normal Bears player you play. Jordan Howard. Weekly uh, top 10 starter right now. Top 20 in points for running backs right now. Alrighty. And how scary is it that they're not running the ball hardly? What was it? Do they have what is it? 15 carries. They have 18 as a team and 43 passes. And he's running as effectively as he is? Good gracious. Give him the damn ball. (laughs) I'm Keyshawn. Give him the damn ball. (laughs) Yeah, Howard's going to get the ball. I think Zach Miller's going to be involved against Jacksonville. You know, all these guys are going to be involved. So the only other question is, you know, Cam Meredith, Eddie Royal, either one as a flex play. Interesting. Cam Meredith made some plays, man. He also had that big fumble. And you got to wonder if that's something that's going to affect the quarterback's trust going forward. Well, Eddie Royal is a guy that was high on pickups over the last two weeks. Then Cam Meredith comes and does this. I know we like to keep it on this week's matchup, but, you know, what? It's a waiver wire action and stuff like that. Is Cam Meredith worth picking up? Who do you like on the upside better over the course? Let's say a small window. The next three to five games. Look, they don't play the same position. Royal's playing in the slot and Meredith's playing on the outside. So 
The, the guy who I like, and especially because of the game that he put forth, is Cameron Meredith. And if you listen to all the beat reporters and everything about what they've been saying, this is the guy who has actually been working so well in practice and had shown some stuff in the preseason. This is the guy they like. So, you know, this is one of those reasons where they, what they were hoping for is Kevin White do what, what Meredith is doing, and then we have Meredith and then we can say goodbye to Alshon Jeffrey next year. I mean, that's the you know, grand scheme of, of the plan, but it's not not working out that way because White will never be on the field. Let's talk about uh, Zach Miller and uh, stardom against Jacksonville. There's nobody like there's nobody in this game you should consider not starting. <laughs> so are we are we done with this game? We're yes. done. So I can have a birthday. Yeah. Got to get a gun and learn how to use it. Which leads me to my second rule, the double tap. In those moments when you're not sure the undead are really dead dead, don't get all stingy with your bullets. I mean, one more clean shot to the head. And this lady could have avoided becoming a human happy meal. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Dude, what beer are you drinking? These are some of the greatest... I've had some... Better Valverde pops than this one. Uh, out of Chicago, yeah. Infinity IPA by Empiri- Empirical Brewery. Damn, that, those are uh, that opener and that one. Amen. Uh, I, please, I'm a, don't shoot my eye out. Yeah. That one. Um, I'm drinking a Lagunitas IPA. Uh, good times. It's from Petaluma, California, but like some breweries have done, they opened a brew house here in Chicago as well. Pretty cool spot to check out over in Pilsen. So it is fresh and local as well. Um, I think it's a good it, it's a good beer. It's nothing that drives me crazy, but sometimes you can get a twelve pack of it for like. 13 bucks because they have sales all the time on it and I'll just grab one. It's interesting that you say that because I was at Vinny's and they have it like the beer. Uh, West Coast, East Coast, Midwest. And Lagunitas is in the Midwest. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a California beer. But they got the brew house here. Maybe it's both. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's it's Petaluma, California. Like, I know this. What did I say? No. Oh, okay. I, I tell no, you, but they have like the, the brewery. They have like a yeah. They have a group up here. They brew right. this beer. I guarantee was made in Chicago. That's what I'm saying. So they're putting it in the Midwest huh. they got a, they aisle at Vinny's. So I know. No, yeah. I got what you saying. Maybe they put it in a bowl. Maybe. Yeah. I think it wasn't the other one too. So it wasn't <laughs> Interesting. Uh, quick uh, thing: the music that we started out is uh, Adam Ant. Uh, awesome, old school, very inspirational to a lot of different bands. Uh, the Off the album, um, Antics in the Forbidden Zone, we opened up with uh, King of the Wild um, King of the Frontier, Wild and we closed it out with Desperate But Not Serious. Uh, Adam and the Ant is actually touring now. Wild, wild stuff. Some of you guys know some of the MTV videos, like mid, Good Two Shoes and all that stuff. He's got some really wild music. Very, very charismatic. That was his big song. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. All right, let's, um, before we go to the Rams, let's listen to this. All right, the Rams and at the Lions. What do we, uh, what do we want to talk about with the Rams? Uh, This is another, this is another, uh, just awesome game. That I gotta watch the Rams more. I, I really don't know. You don't really want to watch the Rams more. I, 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 I have them on and I watch them and I say to myself, 
Why? I feel like Nancy Kerrigan. Why? 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 And everyone is all the celebrities are going to watch this crap. Give me a break. <laughs> Nancy Kerrigan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stags right now feels like uh, I just beat him in the knee. <laughs> who is the, who's the, who's the one? Who is the one that hit him? It was a uh, oh. Uh, uh, God damn it! What was her name? She was in Playboy and Penthouse a couple times. Uh, go on, Stags. Talk fantasy football. We're, we're 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 bored with this on this game. So yeah, 80 yards allowed. You know, on 15 carries to RB ones uh, allowed by the Lions defense. Uh, except they haven't allowed you know a, a rushing touchdown to one of these stud running backs. Um, we'll see if Todd Gurley can continue. You know his sort of you know recent resurgence. Uh, just so, and especially in the passing game. Sorry, we're getting excited about Tanya Harding over here. Yeah, we just remember who it was, but she did have pancake nipples from what I remember. <laughs> I like big aerials. What are you talking about? <laughs> but they were dark and weird. You, you were not going to like them. Good point. And then we've seen sort of the, their second running back become Tavon Austin. Uh, Tavon Austin's been, you know, used out of the backfield. Lots of the sort of rushes out of there. Uh, sort of those quick sweeps. Jeff sweeps a lot of different things to him, and it's been, it's been pretty interesting. So, Tavon Austin's got some, you know, gimmick flex play, you know, especially against the Lions team that can be beat up, and you doubt they're going to use Darius Slay on him. He'll probably go over and cover Kenny Britt. But Kenny Britt's the guy who's on pace for, you know, 1,100 yards. Yeah, it's, 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 the, it's a crazy thing because Britt, Quick, all these guys are available on the waiver wire. I have them on there every week. I have them in the, in the in the category of what you see is what you get, because it is pretty much what you're seeing is about what you're getting almost on a weekly basis. Kenny Bird is not giving you those explosion games that he gave you in those first two games before injury when he was with Tennessee way back in the day when it was like oh my god he was dominating for you. He's giving you the five for seventy five. He's he's giving you these type of performances. Uh, Quick is the guy that's been scoring the touchdowns. Last week it was only three for 51, but he still has, you know, they're always taking a shot with him. But unfortunately, you just don't have any one of those guys being a dominator. So you don't have a lion's share of targets and everything just going to one guy where you're going to be able to get those 100-yard performances and and a touchdown, especially on this offense where touchdowns uh, are are like tossing around manhole covers because it just doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I mean, Lance Kendrick's not very interesting. Tyler Higby hasn't done much uh, so far this season. So it's the girly show. I'm going to continue to rank Case Keenum last in the quarterback rankings every week. Where do you got girly this week? I think he's a top, you know, 12 play. Interesting. He should be able to get things going against Detroit. The question is whether he can score. You know, I've been encouraged by his work in the receiving game lately. So I, I like Gurley a little bit this week going against Detroit, especially when they just have no real other weapons. But, but it, it is the, the one horrible thing for Gurley. Every team is just saying, we shut down Gurley. Yeah. Let's move over to the Lions side of the ball. Uh, good to see Justin Forsett signed by them today, I believe. Maybe is, is it good to good see? To see? Well, good to see for him. Uh, <laughs> As the last week showed, I think I said his career is over. I don't well, think he's getting signed at all. It's good for it's good for him. It's good for him in, in in the sense that you know, well, how it works is Dwayne Washington. Obviously, the injury is worse, uh, so they're not expecting him to come back and play, which is why you need to have somebody else step in here because Zach Zenner was not getting it done. Uh, Theo Riddick, while he is really 
taken – here's a guy that you look for what his career, how it's developed, and you really kind of got to say, I'm impressed with you. Because three years ago, you were the sparsely used, small little little water type bun guy that would look like you were probably going to get killed every time you touched the ball. He's helped. He still does. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but, he's, but he's now running the ball inside. He's willing to run the ball inside. He's a lot tougher of a running back than he was two years ago. Um, he continues to add more different uh, aspects to his game. He's a better blocker than he was two years ago. I, I just like the development, and now with all the extra touches, and the touchdown potential, especially in PPR leagues, as a guy who, who owned him and thought I was only going to use him as a, a bi-week replacement type player, has become my everyday starter. <sighs> yeah, he, he's, he's getting it done. PPR. Even when he doesn't score, he's giving you the points, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. Bu- if Bushwick Bill wasn't a midget, he would look like theoretic. What? <laughs> Where am I? Yeah, but... The thing you like about Theo Reddick is, you know, targets. At least five in every game this season. And he's had at least double-digit carries in every game, you know, since week one after sort of that loss of Amir Abdullah. So he's getting 15 to 18 touches a game. And, you know, he can catch, you know, passes on the backfield for touchdowns. I don't think he's a great goal-line runner. I don't think he's a great runner in general. But eventually, you know, if he gets stuffed to – for zero yards, zero yards, zero yards, they'll throw him a screen, and then he'll gain 12, and look at the first down. But but don't you, let me ask you this, because this is how I look at him being benefited by Forsett. You bring Forsett in there who, not that he's going to be anything great, he's not. He's going to give him maybe three and a half, three point seven 3.7 yards per rush, but he can then do the inside running, you know, better than Zach Zenner was, take the beating there, allow... Uh, uh, Riddick to stay fresher for his touches. No. No? Whenever Riddick carries the ball, he gets stopped in the backfield. <laughs> like, it's not good. And less touches isn't going to help Theo Riddick. And Signing I, Justin Forsett is not a boost. Well, no, what, what I'm saying is less touches for inside runs. More touches for, let's give him the same amount of carries, but now we're not going to ask him to do this because, we well, it's just Zach Zenner and we don't trust him. We're going to try to let Theo do it. Now I think they realize, you know what, let's use him for the, the stretch plays, the outside runs, and then if he's fresher for those where he can use his speed to beat the guys to the outside, then it can be more effective. I think at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what he's doing running the ball because even in standard leagues, right now Theo Riddick is 13th. You want to list some guys that Theo Riddick has more points in standard than. Todd Gurley. Um, Mark Ingram. Lamar Miller. Jeremy Hill. Latavius Murray. Ryan Matthews, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, not for long. Eddie Lacy. Uh, so it doesn't matter. He's doing it through the air, and that's the way he's always going to do it. So even if he loses those two yards, which basically is something that does happen, it seems like he gets stumped a yard or two back every time he's run. It doesn't matter. That's not his game. Uh, if he can still be in PPR, it's a whole different ball game because he leads all running backs and catches. The thing is, do we expect the touchdown production to continue? Because he has four. That's his career high. I mean, yeah, I can see him getting a few more this season, but if you own Theo Riddick, you should sell high. Telling me that you should continue to ride Theo Riddick for the rest of the season, sell this guy with those four touchdowns. The only reason, though, they got nothing else. And it looks like this offense isn't really think they're going to be running the ball. No, 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 but I I agree with Stan because, like me, who he's behind every day. Mo right now is listening. He's like, no, Riddick, Zenner. (laughs) 
that's because he's. We love you. You're right. You're right on this guy. He's in Michigan. and Sproles. But here's here's the thing. I, I, I agree with the shot because if I'm a guy who owns Riddick and most people who do, you didn't have him at the top of your running back depth chart. So you have other guys that you can play there. Sell him for more value if you can. You know, because there's everybody else who's thinking like you are. I wouldn't sell him. I want to buy him. Well, then I'll buy. I'll sell him to you. Cool. Yeah. Let's I mean, talk about some of the other sides. That, that, let's let's move on and yeah. kind of cruise through the rest of this this uh, this yeah, game. We, we, we talked way too long about this game anyway. Yeah. Let's let's let's. So uh, Eric Ebron probably gonna be out a few more weeks. Uh, Marvin Jones is a weekly starter for you. Golden Tate shouldn't be in your starting lineups until you see more. Anquan Bolden looks to be the guy they like the most in the red zone with Eric Ebron out. Uh, Matthew Stafford going against the Rams, who are without you know Tremaine Johnson, their best corner. That stacks up well for Marvin Jones, stacks up well for Stafford. The, the question is, is his offensive line going to give him you know time to throw, which they can't. And sometimes, you know, against overmatched offensive lines and defensive lines that you know Los Angeles has, it could be a tough matchup. But I, I just think they're going to throw enough to where Marvin Jones is going to be fine, Stafford is going to be fine, and yeah, Theo Riddick's going to get his catches. The thing I like about Stafford a little more, I think he's sixth at the position of quarterback. But usually when Stafford was having this huge game, it was attempt-driven. You know, he was chucking the hell out of the ball. He's sixth right now, but Stafford is not is has only thrown the ball 181 times. So he's outside the top ten in attempts throwing. So I like that kind of efficiency that he's got going on. Stafford, uh, as I think you and a number of us uh, on the show and at Pyro thought, thought he would have a nice nice season even with the departure of um, Megatron. All right, let's go on to the next matchup, and that is going to be the Steelers at the Dolphins. Obviously, Sammy Coates left a touchdown on the table, dropped a couple other balls, could have easily been a 200-plus three-touchdown game, and he's already the most valued pickup and uh, probably high-end kind of guy. He's probably the most exciting guy right now that might not be on many teams. Uh, What are your thoughts on, let's just start with Sammy. Um, well, are you picking him up and he's going to just become Sammy of old? Or do you think now he's going to live into that or become more of that Martavis Bryant player? The problem is he should have been known all season long. I mean, he should have never been dropped. Going into the game, he was top 20 in receiving yards. He just hadn't scored a touchdown. Why do you drop a guy like that when you know regression's coming? He's got 419 well, the problem yards. Was now he's top 10 in receiving yards. Yeah. Here's the best part. And you have to look at it for this year. I don't know exactly what it holds when Martavis Bryant comes back into this offense next year or whatever. That's not even worth concerning yourself with right now. They're going to trade him. Right now, probably if you can because you don't need the risk of all the other suspensions. And you already have it with, with Le'Veon Bell anyway. Um, look, what, look what happened but, with him but, and with a yeah, guy like Josh Gordon. Yeah, it's, it's right. It's, it's a, it's a time bomb waiting to happen. Sammy Coates clearly is better than... Darius Hayward Bay, then Marcus Wheaton, and any of these other guys that they have out there. The dimension that he brings with the speed and his ability to beat coverage allows you to be able to grin and bear it when he drops these open passes that hit him in the damn hand. That touchdown was ridiculous. Here's what we have for Sammy Coates. He is Ted Ginn, except bigger. 
and he can run you know more routes. The thing is, you cannot watch him play as an owner. You will hate yourself. <laughs> yeah. You will hate yourself. Yeah. Like I treated it's always so what could have been. Because yeah. he makes that play, and you're like, oh my god, this guy's the best. And then the next two throws to him, he will make the most football unintelligent, uh, uncoordinated, feet for hands play that you'll ever see. And it's just god, it's unbelievable. You just shouldn't watch Steelers games if you own Sammy Coates. But yeah, Sammy Coates is a weekly, you know, wide receiver three with, you know, number one at the position weekly upside because he's got that big size. He's got Big Ben, and they've got the Miami Dolphins this week. Please play Sammy Coates again. Have you seen these corners getting destroyed deep by receivers? If not, there, there's plenty of film for you to watch them getting beaten over the top. Sammy Coates should score another touchdown this week. A long one. And if he doesn't, I will be surprised. Antonio Brown should go off. Le'Veon Bell is going to run all over these guys. Like, I don't care if Big Ben is on the road. This is going down. Well, here's the thing. So I, I, I look at this stuff, though. I, I, I agree with you in, in the sense of that all these guys are must-starts and it's going to be big games. I don't know as much as it's going to be the, the big deep bomb where I was for sure that it was going to happen last week because it was uh, of the matchup. The Dolphins have only given up three pass plays of, of 40 yards or more, but 18 of 20 yards or more. Uh, they are a team that just lets you kind of just wear them down also when you're looking at the way that they just kind of work you over. So this is one of those ones where I can see Antonio Gates, or I'm sorry, Antonio Gates, Antonio Brown finishing with like 12 catches, uh, you know, Coates finishing with like six, six, seven catches. There's going to be a high volume, as I think they're just going to be able to, to, to pick and choose where they, where they move the ball up and down the field on them. Even if they're not getting the big play, they're going to take their shots because they are the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Let me just half. say this again. Start every single Steeler you think you should be started, and that includes Jesse James. Yeah, you know what? He's become a guy that you can really trust now with the fact that he scored a touchdown last week. He is getting the five to six, seven targets. I mean, he's touched out a bust, but. <laughs> right, but. but he said that about. Yeah, but you know what? For a tight end, even when he's not getting the touchdown, he's giving you the 35, 40 yards, which is pretty much what he's, average he, tight ends are doing for you when they're not giving you touchdowns anyway. You know, you know the Greg Olsons are, are few and far between, and then Travis Kelsey, who can have a Greg Olson type game, also gives you these 35 yard clunkers. I mean. Yep. Jesse James has just 128 yards on the season <laughs> and is averaging 7.1 yards per catch. But well, he's done more of it in the last two weeks. He didn't okay. the first week. Remember, he played Philly a couple weeks ago, and Ben overshot him on that one play where he should have had a long play. But other than that, yeah, Jesse James is slow and steady. You're hoping for a touchdown. He's got three of them on the season, but he's top ten at the position. Other than that, he's catching a couple targets a game. Let's I mean, go to the Dolphins. Which, like you said, Steelers, what are they? there? Steelers, as far as points scored, are fourth in fantasy points. They're putting up almost 90 points a game. Put them in. Uh, let's talk about the Dolphins side, who are not as prolific. <laughs> on a lot more sits on this side of the ball. They're not, they're not quite in the bottom five. They're 26th. Are you buying into the JHI? Because I sure as hell am not. I mean... It depends, because I think this is the week Arian Foster comes back. So I can't tell you to buy into J.J.I., but they cut out the other guys, and J.J.I. looked better. But did he look great? No. I mean, but he looked like the best running back in that stable. They're going to cut Isaiah Peed. 
I mean, it's just getting thinner to where, you know, if if Foster's not back, a guy's like a flex. You know, but I wonder this too: is it, is it also maybe Adam Gase's offense? Because look how Forte had no success in that offense last year with the Bears. 800 whatever yards rushing it was. You know, there was just never a firm commitment to the running game. I'm going to debate that he had that much. He had a lot of success. He had, no, 1,200 total yards or something that, that, yeah. that Forte had. But in how many games? But he, he did, played, but, what, 11? But you just don't see the dominant running performances in an Adam Gase offense. I mean, Look, even was, when he was with Denver. It, we saw it with C.J. Anderson for that five-game stretch. For a five-game stretch. But other than that, you were seeing him try to go every other which way. It's it's and then and then you know I I'm just I'm not buying it I, I I'm look Jarvis Landry was a guy who what what kind of an, a goose egg that guy threw up last week um, you know is he a guy that with this matchup uh, against Pittsburgh at home that he can take advantage of where they can start using him are they going to have to start being more creative in ways to get him the ball in reverses and different other type of ways or just more bubble screens to get him going. I mean, here, yeah, Jarvis Landry should be heavily targeted, I think. Uh, he's got to be. He's got to be. Ryan Tannehill was, you know, mediocre again last week. Questions are, is he still going to be the starter for the rest of the season? But let's also remember, this is a team that cut, like, three offensive linemen today. They cut, like, their starting left guard, their starting right guard, and they cut everybody. Like, so... This line is in trouble, and yeah, maybe these, this helps, but I doubt it. They just cut everybody. Like, it's bad. That's happened around the league a lot. Just like, is this just message, locker room messaging? I mean, it seems like more so in the last two weeks I've seen more just like flat out guys that were starting games getting cut. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess messaging has a lot to do with it. Yeah. But yeah, besides Jarvis Landry, I mean, who who else do you want to start? Devontae Parker? I don't maybe? really want to start anybody. I you don't I mean, even want to start Devontae like, right? I have to start this guy because this guy's on a buy, this guy's hurt, and I have no fucking choice. Okay. Let's Fuck, move on. Any, anything going on with um, Aaron Foster is after. He could be back this week. Good guy. All right, let's move on to the uh, last game in the early session, and that is the Bengals. <laughs> Excuse me. Had a little <laughs> cough there that I held back. Uh, wasn't trying to laugh at the Bengals. Yeah. That was the weird. P- p- bangles. I don't know. P- what, p- 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 <laughs> what is that? That's the cowardly lion. There you go. Thank you. I knew it. You went for the heart earlier. There you go. Got it. Needed a refresh, of course. At the Patriots. Let's start with the Bengals. How about the fact that I think, what's the line on this one? Is it like uh, Patriots by like seven and a half or, or that more? That wouldn't surprise me. But even then, I don't, how great do you feel picking the paint? Like, I picked them last week, so I can't pick them in my survivor pool. They're up eight and a half. It's eight and a half. Eight and a half. That's, and the Bengals are not a bad team. I mean, they look pretty bad, and they just got stopped by Dallas with the rookie quarterback. Well, that was a pretty atrocious performance. And, and that guy does not look like a rookie, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Well, okay, well let's talk about the Bengals. So, you got Jeremy Hill, who's, who's a little bit dinged up right now. Can't start him against doing what No. Right? Um, Gio finally showed up for them last week with that absence of... Can you start Gio in this game? Well, yeah. For, for, the, for the what he's going to be able to do as a receiver. Yeah, I think so. I mean, but he's more of a flex RB2 play. Yeah. Like, he's not a great play, but he should get volume trying to keep up with Andy Dalton having to throw to keep up with Tom Brady. 
I mean, that's what it's going to be. So that means volume for, you know, it's a, they're down, they're eight and a half point underdogs. They're going to have to play catch up on the road. So, you know, Gio was also the starting running back this week for the first time this yeah. season. But so, do you think wonder, that's a, is that is that something that obviously Hill's a little banged up? But do you think that's well, something I, that concerns you? He wasn't you? banged up before that. <laughs> it's you know what the way that it always seems to go with Hill. Hill. Gives you a couple splashes. Gives you they had like two good games in a row. Like, oh, okay, Jeremy Hill's coming back, and then Jeremy Hill lays an egg. And so it's just this kind of back and forth between these guys. The fact is that as a guy who's had Jeremy Hill since he was a rookie, um, I'm kind of stuck with him for like another two years in my 16 team league. I I fear that this is pretty much what I got. I'm looking to trade him because he's a frustrating guy to own. And because you're not getting the high-end production. You're hoping, goddamn, do I get a touchdown? Or am I going to get one of these eight carries for 17-yard type games? They're going to be playing from behind. It's a Geo game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about AJ, though? Because he killed me in DFS. I had my, my I had two wins this week, and I had two losses in my... Never do DFS AJ after a big game. Okay, maybe that's the key. Because if AJ goes big game, DFS league, don't do it the next week. He never, he never puts a back-to-back. He shat on me hard. <laughs> He's never uh, done a back-to-back. I don't granted, think. it was only two five-dollar bets, so it wasn't like that bad. But you know, and you won probably. He was probably your only bad player in that one. No, he wasn't on my winning teams. Quick question. Uh, so talk about uh, AJ if you want. No, nothing to be sorry about. And then I'm going to go to my boy Tyler Eifert. I'm hoping he's ready to go. But you got anything to say on uh, AJ? I mean, you play him against the Patriots. Of I course. Mean, do you play LaFell, who had two touchdowns okay, well, last so week? <laughs> I put him in my waveboard. Did you read what I wrote about him? No. I wrote, I hate that I have this guy on, <laughs> in this list. It, and he was in like the top cream of the crowd. I'm yeah. like, and I really hate that I have him in this category. But the fact is, is that they are not willing to turn the, the, the ship over to Tyler Boyd. In, uh, in that role, and LaFell is getting the stinking targets, and so while that's happening right now, and while it's A.J. Green on the other side, he is benefiting from it, but again, it's kind of like that Kenny Britt thing, you're going to get what, you know, he's he's not on pace to give you the 100 somebody yard games, to give you what was it, two touchdowns last week, but it was like 68 yards, I think, and he's just not, you know, look, the best that you ever got out of LaFell was when he was with Tom Brady in, in New England. That was like high watermark. So understand that. So where he is now is like a 25% reduction. But he, even with Tom Brady, he didn't have a 1,000-yard season. He did it mostly on touchdowns. So could he do that again for a team struggling in the red zone? I, mean, I think there's weeks when he'll be good, but weeks when he'll suck. And you won't know when to play him. And, but this might be a good game in sort of that catch-up mode. I hate fell. that we're talking about LaFell so yeah, much I in this know. podcast. And I hate that we're talking about him in this matchup. I know, because but, but it, <laughs> it, it, it bothers the hell out of me, too, because <laughs> I, hate, I hate the guy. And I will never start him. And so this okay, so I'm done talking about because... This is why I, I hate to put him in there because I'll, see here. I don't Move care on. what I don't care what he's doing. I'm not going to pick him up. He's just a guy that I'm going to choose somebody else off the waiver wire. And if he were on my team, he will always be on the bench because I would feel better about somebody else's upside. Eifert finally is about to come back next next week. He's going to come back and then last tweaks, week, tweaks, tweaks is back. Last week, yeah, tweaks is back. Jesus. 
Do you think the Eifert will ever play in the Pro Bowl again? You realize that his injury was yeah. sustained in the friggin' Pro Bowl. Um, so, finally comes back. Looks like he's on target to come back. Wow, was this guy a needed asset. Um, a red zone target. I mean, is he going to do that 13 touchdown on, like, 33 catch? This thing he did last year? Absolutely not. Are they going to kind of slowly maybe move him into being a major part of the rotation? Uh, or the, um, the target? Uh, uh, here, here's here, you know Yeah, I do think so. But he the, has to be. But he's instantaneously in 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 a world of basically there's four tight ends that are getting targets and catches, and that's Gronk. Well, I guess five now that with Brady back and Martellus. But that's Gronk. That's Reed. That's Olsen. That's Martellus, and that's Kelsey. Yeah. And now with him, he's that sixth guy that actually can just is a bona fide. Can be a beast mode kind of guy. You know what the the thing is, is not going to happen right away. I, it, no, I, I don't. I don't anticipate it happening right away. And the thing that super scares me is that the back injury. You're yeah. you're recovering from your other injury, then you get a back injury. Yeah. So it's like not are you an injury prone guy? Um, this is not an offense that passes the ball enough. I like the fact that look, we're yeah. talking all this stupid talk about LaFell, which means that if you're Tyler Eifert, you should have a big role in this offense yeah. and be able to step right in and make an impact. But I've got, this I've is what scared me. Look, look at this. I, and this is the thing that scared me the most about him as a guy that owned him last year. It was so touchdown dependent. He never gave you yards. It was like the first or second game of the year last year where he had like a hundred something yards. And then I don't think he had. You know, we talk about Jesse James and that. that that's the type of production that he gave you. But he was giving you one to two touchdowns a week sometimes. Yeah. He, 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 he came on hot. What did he finish with? Was it like less than 600 yards receiving last year, I think? He had 33 catches last year. So it was like, it was like 400 something yards, right? It's like 488 or something like that. Who? Eifert. No, that was a little higher than that. I'm going to look it up. I'll look it look up. It up. I'll look well, it up. What, what, what are your thoughts? Are they going to slowly get Eifert back in the mix, or are you. I just don't know if this is the week. I don't know if he's back this week to talk about it. <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on. Hang on, I'll give you his yardage last his year. Yardage. Okay. It was 615. How many catches? Um, <laughs> you thought it was 30? Yeah. 52. 52, okay. 52. Is for, a lot lower. So that's an average of 11.8 per, per catch. Okay. 33, that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that's why I don't really ring out um, catch stats when I'm not looking at FF Today or whatever. <laughs> Pro football uh, uh, reference. All right, let's go over to the Patriots side. Tom Brady, real stink show. Um, guy's terrible. He's got no future in this league. Did you see all the parodies they were doing before the game? And it was just bad. Like, all right, we know Tom Brady's coming back. Like, they were just blowing it up. Like, Tom Brady's going to be rusty. And I'm shut up. Tom Brady's going to light the the Cleveland Browns up. And he's probably going to light the Cincinnati Bengals up this week. And Chris Hogan's the interesting player. And then both these... Tight ends, you know, 100-yard games, you know, scoring touchdowns, stardom, stardom, stardom. And even though Garrett Blunt got a short touchdown, he should be able to do that again. I mean, I, I probably want to avoid Blunt this week just a little bit. But when the Patriots are favored and when the Patriots win big, Blunt just gets a ton of work and scores touchdowns. So it's hard to avoid him. Well, I agree with you. I think you play him anyway just because of the fact that Brady's going to spread the field. This is, again, it, it's Brady versus Goodell in the NFL. It's Brady and Belichick versus Goodell in the NFL. And they are looking to just 
hound you. They always do. They, they're the team that is the epitome of what I always want my teams to be. You get a lead, and then the teams that I root for, like my Iowa Hawkeyes, the Chicago Bears, they get a lead, and they don't know how to step on a throw. They don't know how to just extinguish an opponent. And Tom Brady and the New England Patriots extinguish opponents. They bur bury you, burn you, uh, Whatever other, I don't have another B word, uh, another B adjective. Um, I wanted I want alliteration there, but I lost butt, it. So. Butt mud, yeah. yeah. Butt mud, yeah. Yeah, okay. They make you feel like you're sitting in butt mud? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they do. They do. And so I look for Brady, and especially with this four game suspension that he had to finally deal with this year, every game is a statement to Goodell of a big finger in the air. The craziest thing about it is that Brady's able to muster up. I mean, obviously pissed about this whole thing, but he's able to muster up this angst and this when he's got the greatest life in the world. You know, what, what do you do? You wake up and you're like, "Whoa, look, Jesus! Look at this hot ass!" And oh, hold on, I'm gonna stick it to this one. Oh, look at this house I live in. My wife actually makes more than me. We're set forever. I'm the most handsome guy in the world. And how do you get angry? You just said it. You, in order to be successful, you have to have a vendetta against someone. So what you do is you have to then have a skewed sense where you can have this that lovely personality that he has. If you ever listen to Westwood One Radio on Monday Night Football, they always interview Tom Brady as Jim Gray and Tom and Tom Brady at halftime, where he gets like, "Hey Jim, how you doing? Hey Tom, how are you?" And it's and it's the whole fun of this stuff. But once he steps on that field, that's his. He turns it. He's like Two Face. He's able to turn the other face and be the and a cold assassin against Goodell. Great meme that I saw, and Stags ain't gonna like this, but um, uh, NFL memes uh, uh, today did a post of Trump and Brady hugging, and um, the the line was proof of Trump grabbing a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny stuff. Political, but funny. Funny, funny. Okay. I heard the other thing is, I'm going to, I saw the other meme, I'm going to reduce inflation, and then Tom Brady underneath, I'm, I'm voting for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we take a, a commercial break before we get to the afternoon games? Is there anything else we want to say about, oh, last thing I'll say, Goskowski losing me like two weeks so far. Going high on him, the guy has lost me, lost me. I, mean, I can't say he lost me, but if he kicks two field goals and he missed, something that just hasn't happened in the past, I win two games. I was all high in the offseason saying I'll go in the early teens for him. Two games where his missed field goals cost me. Should have stuck with Vinatieri for free. <laughs> God damn. Fuck Goskowski blowing up on me. It just ain't, it just ain't my year. Welcome to the zombie land. Okay, Ralph of Walla Walla, Washington writes, I want to try to kill a zombie in every baseball park in America. Huh. Uh, what is the first thing that I should pack? Um, when it comes to packing, Ralph, I am a big fan of the Swiss Army Knife. It's called the Swiss Champ. Now it has a magnifying glass, a uh, ballpoint pen, a little thermometer, a Celsius, a uh, fish scaler. Um, it has a, uh, a pruning blade, a little reamer, a miniature reamer. A <laughs> reamer. Uh, um, in fact, I like this so much that I actually made it one of my rules for surviving Zombieland. Rule number 33, the Swiss Army used that knife for a reason. The Swiss Army, now weren't they, like, um, neutral? Mm -hmm. I mean, why be neutral when you can pick sides? 
Yeah, that could be effective, but could it get out the piece of orange that I have stuck in my tooth? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Why? We'll find out. Okay. All right. We got the, uh, before I get into this quickly, uh, this Chiefs and Raiders game, I want to give my best wishes, and we all do, Stag Party and Houdini and all the pyros um, involved. Give our best wishes to one of our favorite people in the world, P.K. Ripper, one of our contributors, our news feed extraordinaire, a guy we've had on the show a number of times, and just just an overall awesome guy, a, a weird story. I've just become good buddies with this guy through texting and through him being a fan of Pyromaniac and then becoming a contributor. And uh, his father uh, had a stroke um, a couple weeks ago, and he's faring a bit better and I'm pretty sure that they they took his pops out of the hospital within the last few days and uh, PK Ripper Pyro and our, our Pyro fans and um, the people that read your news feeds and all your friends and family uh, you're an amazing guy and I'm sure that it comes from you being a, a chip off the old block and not fall, the apple not falling too far from the tree of your father. So shout out to you. I hope your dad is on the mend. And uh, we literally love you, dude. I think you are just one of the funniest, most awesome dudes. And um, on Facebook, on social media, and uh, the text messages we have. And just happy to have gotten to know you and for uh, and, uh, and appreciative of all you do for Pyro. So be there for your family, be there for your pops, get well, PK Ripper's dad. Uh, that's all I got to say on that one. Um, we love you, buddy. Let's get into the Chiefs and uh, at the Raiders. Let's breeze. If we breeze through this one a bit, um, I'll there's some, there's some powerful up. games going on from for the remainder. Let's breeze through this one a little bit. It's actually a pretty good game itself. And then we're going to be able to have a, uh, a, a an under three hour show. Do you want Do you want to do this? Or you want me to do it, Stags? I think this is one of the better games. Then go for it. Let's, <laughs> let's make the Jets Cardinals one a bit of a breeze. All right. Well, Fitzpatrick's going to make it a breeze by throwing picks to the Cardinals. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so go do your thing. I, me and Houdini will talk about Tony Hart. So the Chiefs. <laughs> Jamal Charles has a nice Chief uh, DFS salary this week. Coming off a of bye week, you know, one of the most efficient running backs ever, and even if he just gets 12, you know, 15 touches, he should have be in for a nice game against this Raiders defense. You know, Spencer Ware is still going to be involved. Excited to see what he can do with Jamal Charles back in the lineup. This should be another good game for Jeremy Macklin. They should move him around. All the other receivers are pretty much useless. You, you want to worry about Chris Conley, you shouldn't. But Travis Kelsey... Should get things going against the Raiders. He's had pretty good games against the Raiders in the past. You know, I'm pretty excited for all the pieces we know uh, on this team. And also, I think Alex Smith is a decent streamer, but not as good as Mariota. Yeah, the Raiders' defense is horrible, so I, I agree with you there. What do we got on the Raiders? Flipping over to the Raiders. Oh, wow, that was real quick. Oh, we're trying, guys. Hey, I, got nothing, I really don't have much to say about the Chiefs. Jamal Charles, I'm playing. He had that limited action that he saw last week. So people are going to maybe go, oh, well, no. They were giving him a little bit of touch. Now they're going to give him his full action. I, I don't know if they're giving him full action. But he's going to get a lot more. He's gonna, I think he's going to get about 20 touches in this game. If he doesn't get full action and he doesn't get a lot of touches, a lot of people have been holding out I know. for five weeks. They're going to be like, 
they're going to be like, all right, I'm because I've been trying to trade for him. I have people too. have been asking <laughs> to trade for I have been a couple of weeks. People have been asking me to get him, and everyone, the answer is stock. I'm not waiting. I'm not going to trade him now. He's finally going to come back. Right. That was like three weeks ago. So you're you're gonna hold out. So if finally he's actually playing, and it's not gangbusters. So those owners, wrong. those owners are gonna be like, oh, okay, now let's talk. So hope I'm wrong because I've been trying to trade for him as well yeah. in, in two different leagues. So I almost want him to get like a 12 touch performance, yep. and someone go, I'm done with it. Have at it. Totally. Give me give me these two guys, and I'll take it. Absolutely, uh, agreed. Owns owns. Uh, let's go to the Raiders. Finally, Amari has a better game than Cooper, and Cooper still has than Crabtree. That's, sorry, Crabtree. <laughs> Amari, Amari has a better Cooper. game than himself. No! Uh, then Crabtree, which is uh, something that we've been mentioning on this show, has not been happening. Uh, but big game for Cooper. Was that a touchdown? Yeah, I think it was. All right, and um, Crabtree got a touchdown himself, moving uh, in this game. Do you like what? Who do you like better going against Marcus Peters or? Peters can be beaten deep, and Peters gives up yardage. He's just gonna have you know a couple interceptions, and that's not charge of the wide receivers. So I don't care. <laughs> uh, but Derek Carr, interesting story. Top three quarterback so far. You know, been pretty hot in each of his games. And with, with the, a tough schedule. With the tough schedule, yeah. That schedule is going to remain. Say, I was high on him in yeah. the preseason. This, yeah. this schedule is also going to remain tough yeah. at the outside of the season. The outside of the yeah. season. They yeah, still yeah, got to yeah. go up against Denver twice. And yep. like, they've still got a tough slate. And they got the, this game against Kansas City is, is no, no joke. No walk in the park. It's a ballsy uh, team. But the way they're using protections and just you know full max protection and saying, hey, all right, Crabtree, Cooper, nine other guys blocking pretty much. So like, all right, you, these two are going to get open. Well, so they're not giving up a lot of sacks. Kansas City defense doesn't look as great you know, as a defensive play this week because of the sack numbers. Um, yeah, but I think you start both of those. I think you start both of those wide receivers pretty much every week, unless it's Denver. Yeah. Um, other than that, you know, is Latavius Murray back is the major question. You know what, though? But here's the thing. Even if he is, it's not a solid start. No. They are running. They, they, they are not the committee. They are not the timeshare. They are a community backfield. It is three guys that are each getting very close to the same amount of touches. We're basically saying we're giving everyone ten touches a week. Let's see what you do with it. And then... Also, Jamiz Alawale, who's you know, yeah, getting comes a, little, out of nowhere. Yeah. a little vulture action like Marcel Reese used to do. So, Sounds like me on a, uh, a Sunday afternoon hungover with a, a girlfriend. Jamiz, I'm the guy who owns Latavius Murray in the league, and I am desperately trying. I have a guy who says that he's interested in him. I'm like, I'm trying to package any deal I can that includes Latavius Murray because... There is not value there long term. I mean, the thing is, we saw when they had to carry the load that they were unsuccessful. Yeah. So I think that helps Latavius Murray. DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard were not good rushing the ball. Right, but they also have noticed when they give Latavius all the extra carries, he's not good with the extra load either. I mean, which that's is not true this be. season. That's not true this season. He's been exceptional with the carries. But the season. problem has been, it, it, the reason is because they're never giving him 20-some-odd carries a game. He gets hot. He, like in that game, we had the 22-yard run for the touchdown early. He then did not see the field, I want to say, for at least the next two series. 
So, so how does that prove if you give him more carries, he's not good? What it proves is that they're never going to play the hot hand there. And it proves to me that I can't trust him ever getting the, the lion's share of carries because they just want to keep fresh legs on the field and they're basically saying it's more uh, Derek Carr and his passing that's going to get us there. Latavius is a, is a, is a, is a, is a divisive, divisive creature in fantasy football. Has been for years. And I don't think that's ever going to change. I think he's always going to have a, a few moments per season that it's like, yes, this is why I love him so much. And then everyone else that's on the but other side is going to be like, know all the, all the terrible games, you know? I'm sorry for interrupting. No. But the thing that, I, that, that bothers me about him, the thing that he was when, he, when he, we saw that game... And I believe it was against Kansas. Hold on, no, no, it was, and it was against Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken. Was that he had the ability to break the long run, and that part was like those huge chunk games. And I will tell you this: I really want to think and believe that Napoleon Kaufman has had more 25 or 30 yard plus runs than Latavius Murray has in his career as a Raider. I miss Napoleon. I love Napoleon Kaufman. Almost as much as I love. Seven points to Seattle. So this is one of those ones where it's like plus it's, six. It's, it's, so so everyone saw the plus seven and everyone's sort of betting on on Atlanta. And so Vegas is setting this thing up. Why is Vegas so? This is one of those ones that, that, that seems weird to me. I understand that this is a. Well, you get four and a half points for being home. Well, favorites. usually it's usually it's three. Usually it's a field goal. Mm, Seattle gets four and a half. They go because of the twelfth man. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, Seattle gets four and a half, and then they think their offensive defense is, you know, their defense is the best in the league. Has been all season. They just haven't been a good fantasy defense this year. But they stop yardage. They stop quarterbacks. They stop opposing wide receivers. And we just saw Julio you know, get shut down again uh, by Denver's corners. So, I, you know, if you want I'm not starting Matt Ryan this week. I think after seeing a mediocre Mediocre performance against Denver. I think that's something you could definitely see again. But just remember, the sky, the stars line up for Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. You know, playing in the NFC South. That's all that matters after this week. Well, um, and you know what? You bring up a great point too, because here's one of the differences that Seattle has that Denver didn't. Where, where 
is exactly where they exploited Denver last week. Tevin Coleman in that passing game and what they were able to do with the linebackers that Denver doesn't have that we discussed. Uh, well, they have linebackers in Seattle. You, you got guys there and Bobby Wagner. Um, they're going to create havoc, and it's not going to be as pretty of a week as it was for a Tevin Coleman and, and, a, and Devonta Freeman. I'm going three weeks in a row. Screw the defenses. They're going to figure out a way. I, I, I get it. You shouldn't do that, but I think I think they're going to be able to do whatever they want against this team. I'm not saying they won. I'm not saying uh, that the Vegas is wrong, but they're going to be able to put up points. They're going to be able to put up yards, and I think that more so doesn't help uh, Ryan with the running back, the Tevin, Tevin Devontae, and I think Julio will have a nice game. All right. I mean, I'm just... We're obviously going to disagree on this one. No, I get it. Left. I'm looking at the stats. I get it. They, against running backs, they only give up 19 points. We know that it's, that's, yeah. that's nine points less than the, the defenses that give a lot up to running backs. I, I get it, but they're just kind of on that um, mission from God that I think sometimes the stat, the stats kind of just... I mean, it uh, didn't work last problem. weekend. Matt Ryan was, what, QB 20 last week? Agreed. Julio, 29 yards, and, you know... Okay. Jacob Tammy had one target. Like all these other pieces in the passing game didn't really show up. The running backs is what carried them. And Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman, I think they could have. I said Julio would have a good game. I didn't say it was great for Matt Ryan. I think Julio will have just a fine game and these running backs. Yeah. I think, I think I mean, they're on a mission from God. We shall see. This is going to be a good one to watch. This Richard Sherman against Julio Jones is going to be a fun <laughs> matchup to watch on its own. I don't, I don't like Julio this week. I think it's another tough – it's a tough one. It's just – Temper expectations. Temper expectations. And, and, again, I think the reason is I think that this defense for Seattle just matches up better man for man because if you can take Julio out, which you can with Richard Sherman and what you can with their secondary, and then you say, well, who else is going to beat you at the wide receiver position? And they don't have – Tevin Coleman. <laughs> well, no, correct, because there's no, there is no beater. He's the, he's the, the X factor, and when they use him, they split him out, and they, and they put him in those things. He's gonna be, you know what? He'll, he's again, he's a, he's a, he's a matchup nightmare because he has ridiculous speed with good size and amazing hands as a receiver, and and, and they can use him, deploying him to set up specific matchups, putting him in motion, putting him out to the edge, seeing who's guarding him, and. It's, it's just creative use of his uh, ability. I can't remember a, a guy faster from when he catches the ball to moving at 0 to 60 like Tevin Coleman since Jerry Rice. Maybe Sterling Sharp. That guy, when he catches the ball and either turns or gets going, it is hyperspeed. Um, all right, let's um, – anything else you guys want to say about Falcons? Well, let's move over. Let's go to Seahawks. Seahawks. They're coming off the bye. Coming off the bye, they get Atlanta's defense, which is not very good. But, hey, <laughs> they were able to put pressure on the quarterback last week. And, you know, Seattle has offensive line problems. But there was a time last year when Seattle had offensive line problems. And they came off a bye week. Mm. And then suddenly, I didn't hear any more about offensive line problems. <laughs> the other thing I want to throw in here. We're not a nice run. Everybody was, a lot was of talking. Fantasy records. I was watching a lot of the NFL Network and ESPN um, on Monday after all the games, and they're all glowing about Atlanta, and they're saying, look what this defense did. Da, 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 da. Yeah, against Paxton Lynch. Okay? 
I'm not going to put that much stock into what they did against Paxton Lynch. Let's see him them do that on the road against Russell Wilson. This is a better a better test. Um, so I just I'm I'm not buying into. I, I like what Atlanta is. I think they are definitely the best team in the South. But when I'm looking at their defense, I'm not saying that wow. That game in Denver is an absolute maturation that I'm going to believe everything going forward is going to be just like that. Yeah, I mean, they've been beaten up by James Winston. They got eaten up by Derek Carr. They got eaten up by Drew Brees. You know, between Cam Newton and Derek Anderson, they they allowed 23 points there. And then against a rookie quarterback making his first start, they allowed 13 fantasy points to the guy. I mean, it's not like they're world beaters as a defense. So, Russell Wilson's a top five play this week. Um, you know, Christine Michael, top ten running back this week, arguably. Like, you could have They're the worst against quarterbacks. They're they are turning opposing quarterbacks. Points, 30 seconds, so Russell Wilson. They're turning opposing quarterbacks into Matt Ryan. Like, on the season, they're just <laughs> allowing things to happen. Like... I am not worried about this defense from a fantasy perspective. Start Doug Baldwin. Start Christine Michael. Start uh, Russell Wilson. The, start Jimmy Graham against this team. Atlanta's been destroyed by opposing tight ends this season. So start all those guys. The question is maybe Tyler Lockett. Are you back on being a believer after a bye week to get healthy? Or are they just going to use that rotation like they always seem to of Curse and Tanner McAvoy, a former quarterback, and, you know, Tyler Lockett. If you, have, if you have Tyler Lockett on your team, this would be a game that you would start him based on looking at numbers. So I would ask yourself this. If you're a Lockett owner and you're not willing to start him in this game, then you better trade him because what's the point? And it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, I want to wait for him to do a performance. No. A guy like this with, with that – with this matchup, you have to take advantage of the matchup, which is what he should do. And if he doesn't, then you want to cut bait with a guy and say, I'll just trade him for whatever I can get for him. That's fair. But if you own him, I think you, you owe it to yourself in a flex or a wide receiver three position to be playing this guy and taking the chance. All right. Um, anything to say about tight end, Jimmy Graham? Great play against Atlanta. Yeah. There we go. Finally, uh, the guy's looking legit. He's a... He's back to Jimmy of th- a few years ago, so happy for him. Let's go on to the next game, last game. This is a great, it's a great slate of late games. Chiefs, Raiders, Falcons, Seahawks, um, Cowboys, Packers, uh, and that's the game we're going to talk about now. Cowboys at Packers. This is a very interesting game. You talk about different statements that are trying to be made here uh, with the Cowboys, with their record, with Dak Prescott, all the talk about. If Dak Prescott is able to go on the road in Green Bay and get this victory, that can signal that Tony Romo, even when healthy, will not be the starter. That, that's kind of the talk that you're talking about. Yeah, the other thing that you have... Can I say one thing about that? Please. Jerry Jones. What? Shut, shut up. up. Yeah, right. Just shut up. Why are you going on radio shows? Are, are any other GMs or owners on radio shows... Trying to spark controversy with, on, their, own with, team. Their, with their own team that's having the best 
season that they could ever imagine, and their two best players have done nothing to to right. Like, like the two best players that have done nothing, well, the bring or done nothing to have their best season. No, it's it's true rookies. It makes no sense for them for him to go on and talk on this stuff and just shut up. Get on the team. Why are you creating the controversy? He, he really does. He's such a D-bag. That is so stupid, too. It's just like, why does he have such a disallegiance to Tony Romo and whatever? This is where it's like, why do you have an owner and a different person that you hired to run your, your football operations so that your emotions don't get the best of you? But let's talk about the real situation here because the guy who has just been my dominator, I've been like this DFS on FanDuel. I've been loving just playing the afternoon games. Like the afternoon and the Sunday night, or just the afternoon or the afternoon, Sunday night, and Monday night games, and eliminates all those other early games. And the guy who has been the stalwart of all my victory teams, Ezekiel Elliott. Now, I believe her yet, Houdini? Well, I, I t- remember I told you. I liked him. I just wouldn't. I'm just going to ask you this question every week. I know, and I'll still say the same thing, and I have to hold on to it until we <laughs> get to week 10. Week 11, 12. It's, it's, it's 11, 12, 13, 14, where I was worried about... He's going to dominate for me, but then he's going to drop the ball and, and leave me hanging when I need him the most in the fantasy playoffs. And again, I will I will tell you this much. Will I have which do I wish is I would have gone here? back? Let's move on. No, no, is there, that question. But that's okay. But do I wish I would have gone back right now and had the numbers that Elliott's put up in a bunch of these games right now? Sure. But you want to know what? I've had him in DFS, and he's been winning me goddamn weeks. This week is. Not necessarily shaping up to be that type of a week. When you look at the Green Bay Packers, do you realize? I, I, I had to look at this stat. Is this correct? Forty-two point eight yards per game that the Packers are allowing on the ground this year. Yes. Forty-two point eight yards per game. The Packers have only allowed one rushing touchdown against them uh, so far on the season. They are actually holding opponents to get this right: two point zero yards per attempt. Yeah. Two. <laughs> yards per attempt. This is a historic run defense so far. They need to keep it up against the Packers. Oh, or they crazy? need to keep it up against the Cowboys. Yeah. The Cowboys average 100 more yards rushing than they have allowed. You know, so uh, this Cowboys is a nice one. Battle, this is, this battle of the right. Yeah, strength versus strength. Love it. You know, do the Cowboys open it up and have to throw it a little more? And we saw sort of Eli Manning struggle. But mostly that was because of pressure. You know, other quarterbacks have had pretty decent days against the Packers. But, you know, the Packers at home, Aaron Rodgers is, what, 60 or 52 and 13 and 65 career games at home? Regular season, I think he's only got, what, eight losses or something? 13. Well, and the other thing, too, is that the Packers like to defer. If they win the toss, the Packers like to defer so that they can bring their offense out to start the yeah. second half. And this is one of those games that if they do, and this is this is kind of where you can be as an Ezekiel Elliott owner, how it can kind of backfire on you, is that the Packers win the toss, they go ahead and defer, Dallas comes out, they get stuffed on their first drive, right? Dak is not able to, you know, he's going he's gonna to have to really explore deeper into his repertoire. And now all of a sudden, if Rodgers and the Packers are known, for big first quarters where they can get up on you, if they can get up 10, 14 points in the first quarter, how much is that really going to make the Cowboys change what they've been doing? Because they have been, in the, in, in all their games, even when they've been behind, it's been close, but they've been able to still rely on the running game and let these, these road graders on the offensive line open up the holes and do everything. 
if they're if they get caught down early, this will be interesting to see how they use Ezekiel in the receiving game. How they say, you know what? Do we are they at a point where they're like, we know he's our major playmaker because they should, and that he should be given the ball in any way, way, shape, or form in order to keep them moving. And is Dak going to be able to take the extra steps? I don't like what Witten's given to this offense right now. Uh, is Dez going to be back? Uh, maybe. maybe he's practicing. This he's is a game bigger practice this week, and this is a game that you know that he would want to be back for. But they're also saying they're not going to that he felt a little tingling in, in his, his leg. They're not going to rush him back. So I hope he plays, but actually I hope he doesn't play because I still got him on the. I don't know. I, I have him on the league, and I, I want I want him to be a hundred percent. Yeah, I don't want those. I hate the. He iffy, did that last year. I hate the iffy games, and the iffy games just. Always end up being a re-injury. Heavily re-aggravate. Um, all right, let's move on. From the Packers. Uh, Cole Beasley, oh, yeah, uh, uh, good good times as well. Got another touchdown. He's a DFS guy. But, and you want to know what? A nice play again and again. He's going to be so much better. If you, he's a guy right now that while Dez is out, if you can trade for him, I would. Because whatever Terrence Williams is doing in the passing game, it's only because those would be Dez Bryant yeah. targets. And once Dez comes back... The matchups that it's going to create the disadvantages for is Cole Beasley. Yeah. So I like him, especially in PBR. If you can get him for a steal and a swan song in a, in a trade right now, get him as a throw-in. Um, you know, look at this guy for when Des comes back and you're going to need him three weeks from now. That he'll be able to put up a lot of points for you. I mean, Terrence Williams has been showing up. Bryce Butler's showing up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, all the receivers are interesting going against the Packers. It also depends on the uh, injuries in the Packers secondary. Is Sam Shields still going to be out with his concussion? Is Demarius Randall still going to be out with that injury he suffered late? Although they do have the advantage of the guy that they slot in there to come in is Micah Hyde, who has done a very admirable admirable job every time that he comes in in those roles. He was a starter for them a year ago or two years ago. yeah. They have good depth there. They they, they do they do a fantastic job of drafting, I would say, on defense. Jordy Nelson uh, in the game the other night made that amazing touchdown catch. And he did what we've all done when we make a great play early in a game throughout our career, whether it's uh, intramural or when we played. Like, I am awesome. I'm going to have – that was an awesome play by me. I'm so proud of myself. And then went on and shit the bed and dropped a bunch of balls. And, did nothing. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, got five touchdowns in four games. Yeah, you can't, you can't deny that. No. And Set. Randall Cobb thought he died, so that's good. <laughs> Did he say he thought he died on that hit? Yeah. He said, did he get suspended, uh, Collins? I have no idea yet. Not suspended, uh, fined. I'm sure he, I, I don't know, but I, I should be with coming, forthcoming, I should say. Yeah, but Cobb had 100 yards, thought he died, so Cobb looks to be a little bit back on track. Devontae Adams is getting seven, eight targets a game, and he's a guy that sort of needs to be, you know, recognized. Yeah. Like, Unfortunately, he's going to make some boneheaded plays. It's going to ha- happen from Devontae Adams. But Aaron Rodgers throwing the rock is a good thing. Aaron Rodgers, the thing is, are they going to get a lot of attempts in this game? Or is this going to be a game where Aaron Rodgers only throws it 28 times? Eddie Lacy's got that major sort of question mark with his ankle, but they don't expect it to be serious. But does that mean it's a week or a week to week? You know what it means to me is that I don't think it is one of these 28 pass attempt games for Rodgers. I think it's one of those ones, especially because when we saw Starks come in, and then he had like 
was it the fumble? It's like it just it wasn't. Yeah, like Lacey averaging eight yards a carry and then Starks starts comes in stumbling for, for three. Right. But Starks can get it done in the pass game, so I agree that they could go a little bit more passing. And the only reason why I say it's not going to be as, as low of a pass attempt game is because I do think that that defense is on the road or at home going to stymie Ezekiel Elliott where, they're, where the Cowboys are not going to be able to sustain – a lot of five, six, seven, eight-minute drives. I think it's going to be, you know, a lot more back and forth. Yeah, I think that's all we got in this game. Let's all go right. Sunday, uh, Monday, Sunday night football in America. Uh, it's going to be the Colts at the Texans. Uh, this is what look. This, I'll, right. I'll let you guys. I'll let you guys go. Well, let's, let's let's think about this. Uh, what's the one team that? Uh, T.Y. Hilton terrorized for the first two or three years in his NFL career. It was, I will go for no 100-yard games, and then I will play against the Tennessee Tech, uh, the Houston Texans, and I will have 155 yards and two touchdowns. Um, or 200-yard Or 200-yard games. games. He kills them. So this is also one of those things where I think he will destroy them this week. And the reason being, with J.J. Watt out, when you don't have that pressure... That defense with Merciless and Clowney and Hit and Watt is so much more than it's just Merciless I gotta worry about. Clowney is a guy that shows up every every now and again. Watt's a guy that shows up on every play. So when Luck is gonna be able to extend some plays with his legs and, 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 and move around, this game is also in a very controlled environment when they're playing in Houston. That's what's great about this division. They have a lot of dome games against dome teams. So Look, I think that I'm not as, as big on Frank Gore this week. I think it's going to be a tougher for him to still get going against this defense, but I think he can give you he'll give you 75, 80 yards if you're going to hope for a touchdown. I, I, I look at T.Y. Hilton as the, as the X factor. He's the guy that is going to have to be targeted early and often. I'm a, I'm a Dorsett and Moncrief type guy owner, so I have Dorsett in these roles. I just have not liked what he's shown me so far. There's no way that I can even bring myself to even starting him in any way, shape, or form. We're dropping him. We're dropping him in the block. And, 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 and there's no reason not to because if you can't do it when the other guy's not out there, you're never going to do it. And they're saying the what? A few weeks away. Stag jumping here. Go ahead. So, the Texans' two number one wide receivers are allowing eight catches a game on 12 targets for over 100 yards. Mm. And they're scoring a couple touchdowns every other week. So, yeah, you could start T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton's already a top-five wide receiver on the season. He's being much more efficient uh, with his catch percentage. He's making plays all over the field. You know, his route tree has really expanded since early in his career. T.Y. Hilton should go off against this Texans team. And if he doesn't, I'll be surprised. He also loves the primetime sort of night games. Um, so, I think it's a good thing for luck. I'm a little bit worried about Gore, as you said. You know, this offensive line is not great no. by any stretch. Also, Jadavion Clowney looked like a monster last game. He actually tackled for loss. I saw four or five times where I saw that guy than ever. But I agree with you. His career has been nothing. But I was like, who is it? Oh, you know what it the is? dreads were covering his. I was like, is that Clowney? He actually finally, the first time ever, I test like. Okay, Clowney's Clowney, <laughs> finally looking like he could do something. And, and I drafted him in my 16-team IDP league, um, and I was so impressed with what he would do. You know, from that one play in college, right? Because that's what everyone got impressed by. 
But he just, this is the problem. And that's why I'm not believing it in this, in this matchup with the familiarity with the interdivisional matchup is that Clowney is a guy who has all the ability in the world, but when does he take it seriously? When he's on, like that game, wow, he's on. Can he be, and what's amazing is, you play with Jerry Jerry Watt. How can you not understand how to how to have your engine rev like JJ is when you're playing on the same defensive line with him, when he's giving you opportunities, but he has to wait until JJ's out to be like, okay, I'm gonna be the man. Now, I don't know what that says. What it says to me is that it's inconsistent and no, I can't no trust it on a weekly basis. The thing I'll say is a guy like Got great a, a guy like Clowney, I think, could feast on the week. And we know that this is a weak offensive line. So true that. But this isn't about him. Luck is getting crushed. Luck is getting two and a half. He's gonna get two and a half sacks this week. He's holding the ball way too long. He's trying to make plays. Luck finally actually played a complete game over in their last game. Didn't after basically looking like he doesn't start playing until late in the second half. Well, they also went to no huddle early yes. and more often. And they're going to continue to do that from what we hear. And it's only the smart move because they were up to 43% or 33% of their plays. We're out of no huddle this week. And Andrew Luck averages four more yards per attempt. And like, 75% completion percentage. But just, just run the no huddle more often. You'll be fine. Dorsett, less targets than guys like Frank Gore, uh, Josh Ferguson, Chester Rogers, Jack Doyle, Dwayne Allen. Quan Bray over the last couple weeks, completely droppable. A pop culture reference here. Great book um, called, um, excuse me, uh, David and Goliath by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. By God. (laughs) There you go. Amazing book, but it talked about uh, a a high school offense. It was one of the stories. Ryan Lott's daughter was on the team that. It was a girls team, and they were underwhelmed. They had all these awesome athletes, and they did the full-court press every single play, and they ended up winning the state title, and they were awesome. Maybe they lost in the state title like this ridiculous team. At the end of the day, one question I've got with the hurry-up offense, and we've seen Brady do it. We've seen Manning live off of it. How in the world can pro teams not be able to have essentially a couple – their first 30 plays set that they can audible out of. How is that? How is how are more teams not allowed to go hurry up offense and basically say have a game plan that says you know what if this thing's working here's the first first 30 plays of the game you can audible out of it we can you got mics in your ears as a quarterback we can see different things we can change it up and if it's not working you know the sixth play go into the huddle but. How is it so hard for these teams not just to have, we got 30 plays to go. Boom. Let's get this defense tired. Boom. Let's put the pressure on. Boom. I don't get it. In the same way that I don't get how NBA teams that have deep benches don't full court press all game. Against a team that's got like four good guys and a shitty bench, full court press and get them tired, get them tired. Use your advantage. It makes no sense to me. Well, that's a great point. So, like to your second point, that was like uh, Kentucky, back when Patino was uh, coach of Kentucky, they always did full court press almost all the time because he had the deep bench. Yeah. That was exactly it. Um, my answer to you is, I don't know. It's it's bizarre, right? Because we see what happens is is that they've, 
the rules are, are, are somewhat in there because like if you're going to be running your hurry up offense and if you're going to substitute, it's not necessarily as hurry up because the other team is allowed, the defense is allowed to substitute when you substitute. But the fact is that when you run those muddle huddles and you're not actually going into a full huddle and coming out, it's clearly, it bothers defenses that no they're question. not able to sit and kind of set up their, themselves and do whatever. And you see the success, of, and, you, and you mentioned because we're talking about Indianapolis, they were a team that's been running a lot of this no huddle and they've been so much more successful in the no huddle or the muddle huddle than they have in the goddamn huddling up. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a quandary to me, especially when you're talking about where defenses, they like when offenses go into huddles so that they can kind of regroup themselves. It keeps defenses off on their heels. If you're even, you know, if you have those type of players too, like I think the Colts do have with multiple type usage, or if you're even a team like, um, like, like St. Louis, where you have like Tavon Austin who can be used in the backfield, or you have like a Randall Cobb who can be used in the backfield, or a Tyler Locker, or any of these type of guys. Why wouldn't you stay out with all these weird personnel on the field to screw over a defense and not make a switch? So they, if they want to switch, go ahead. We didn't switch, so then you can then you can fast snap and get a free play, get an offside. It's just the last. I don't thing, understand it. The I, last thing I would say it. about it is a quarterback has their play sheet and they go like this. Should, why can't everyone just have? Here's the first sixty plays, you, and there's an A and a B, and you walk up to the line and you look and see what's going on and play. This is play three. You're, it's A or B. Whatever your cadence is tells you what it's going to be, A or B, from what you're seeing in the real world. I just don't understand why more teams, and knowing that what we're talking about here with the, and you're more than, you know, an NFL and a football guy, Stags, why, and if you want to talk about it, why can't you just go in more and, like, have a preset thing? And it, it seemed like, again, last year, as the, even though Manning was one of the worst, was probably the worst Super Bowl quarterback winning it, uh, season ever, why didn't they saw that in the first beginning of the season they didn't let him go in shotgun? They were trying to make this offense be that uh, Kubiak offense, and then they realized, fuck's sake, we gotta just make this an offense that works for the, this team and for Peyton. Why does this not happen more? We don't want to talk about it, we've said enough, but I just don't get it why it's when you're in a pro league, the highest, the highest, you can't have your preset. It's just plays like, that can be audible out or have a have a have an op, an option towards. It's just like the same reason you don't go into a draft with the preset plan of this is exactly what you're going to do. Got to be adaptable. I mean, and two plays aren't sort of enough. So what they do is they script 10, 15 plays enough for the first drive, you know, and they're using tendencies and tendency breakers. So when they come out, Tampa Bay comes out and runs ten. Straight plays to Jaquiz Rogers. That's a tendency breaker after being a team that throws it 65% of the time, right? Which was awesome. So you throw out tendencies and you throw out tendency breakers. You see what they do against tendencies? You see if they're going to run a lot of cover two, if they're going to run you a lot of man to man, and that's going to set up plays for later in the game. So, it, you know, depend. So, if you're a team that likes to run Who a lot of. have three game plans that, that kind of are like. They can barely learn one. I mean, teams aren't that good learning game plans outside of the Patriots. They're the only team that changes game plans exactly to attack. You know, there's a couple other teams, but just to hyperbolize it a little bit. 
The Patriots are the only team that changes their game plan week to week outside of the structure of their offense to attack weaknesses of a defense. So what you really want to do is, you know, you're running your tendencies and you're running your tendency breakers. You want to see what they're going to do against your tendencies. They're going to play you man. They're going to play you zone. They're going to play you, you know, three man, uh, you know, cover two. They're going to blitz you a lot. So you want to get a read for those plays, um, and that will give you sort of the rest of how you're going to attack. And a lot of those adjustments are, you know, coming down, you know, in between. That's what you're doing while, you, you know, your defense is on the field. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, how you're going to further attack. So it's like, hey, they played a lot of man-to-man. Let's go with our man-to-man beaters. Um, and then, you know, you're sort of adapting to that. So if, Catch it can't, couldn't just be two plays because normally that would be run pass. You know, I got you. Well, I, got I, I want to ask you a question because you bring up a whole lot of, whole lot of great information right there that I'm processing. And when you talk about the Patriots on the team that does this, one of the things that I would say is this: you know, and I know that every team is scripting their first ten to fifteen, whatever the plays are, and you're waiting to see, you know, what works, what didn't work, whatever. But 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 what ends up happening a lot of times, and the teams that are extremely successful. Are the teams that run a play? That's one of their big, big, big play plays, and it gets shut down the first time. But then they saw something in it, and either they, because they ran it in the first half, and they may make a tweak to it or whatever, or they run the exact same play, and then it hits in the second half. But the coaches who are willing to say, "Oh, just because that play didn't work," what? does not mean that that's a bad play against this defense. That was I recognize this. We just need to. But there are, that's the difference. That's why there are elite coaches, and that's why there are just a bunch of other guys who are play callers. And It's like how, how games always come down. Where coaches come in is, are they making adjustments, number one? Number two, how is their time management? All right. Because that's where they affect games the most. Yeah, so there's like a whole playbook, right? Yeah. So you have a playbook, let's call it 750 plays. But just, 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 just a few. <laughs> that's not a lot. <laughs> that, that's a fairly pared down playbook. So let's call it 750 plays. But that week, you're going to cut your playbook down you know, on a weekly basis, on a game plan. You know, what you've seen in film, you're going to pare it down to like 100 plays. Uh, and that's sort of what's on the play sheet, 50-50. Um, and then you're going to run ad- adaptations. You know, during halftime, you can draw up new things. You know, it's like, hey, we saw this work, uh, and then also, you know, the special teams guys have their ownership. But let's just talk about the offense. Uh, so you're going to look at those tendencies and tendency breakers. And you're going to script those 10 for 15 plays. And typically, what you're going to do is you're going to run a sort of diverse set of plays. You're going to run, you know, a power run, a zone run, you know, a counter run, and then you're going to run like mesh concepts. And you're going to run slant concepts, and then you're going to run your vertical concepts, and, and a couple others. And you've got to see exactly what sort of works early, and then you can adapt from that. So it's all about like like a draft strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's it's a game you of chess. How is how is flowing out in front yeah. of you? Yeah. What you do? How so you're, you're adapting on a play by play basis. Yeah. So then you know once you get there, you know okay we're killing them with the vertical game. You know, it's the Jets. They've given up eight plays of 40-plus yards. Uh, now we're going to attack them with the vertical game. Okay, now they push their safeties back. 
you know, 14 yards deep at the play, and now we're going to start going to a power run scheme. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to pull their safeties back up. You're going to run the play, play action, action pass the top, with the yeah. deep cross. And so it's all about it's. So it's let me a ask you, pony show with the game of chess. But let me ask you this because this is this is a real. We're having a, a this is a nice intellectual conversation. I like that we're having right X's now. X's and O's, baby. This is X's and O's. But but when you watch coaches, I've never shown you guys my playbook. <laughs> I like I like to see it. I like to see it. Well, hold on. But my question, my, my question, yeah, my question is this: is that when you see then? I want to pose this directly to you, Stags. Then, so when you see coaches who just seem oblivious, just seem like they're not understanding the flow of the game, they're not making the right moves at the right time. They basically seem like they are always being uh, reactive instead of being proactive. They're why does what, what, you know? Why is it that some people are just unable to do that, where other people are able to succeed? And is it is it in the preparation? Is it just in the what you need on a game day when you're making the calls? Or you know, why is it that certain guys always fail and other guys always succeed? That's a, that's a round. That's a huge wild, wild round question. Okay, break so, it down any way you want. <laughs> there's guys. Let's call them Mike Martz and Mark Trustman. <laughs> they have their system, and they don't change their system for anybody, and they don't adapt their system to their players, and that's where these guys can go wrong. So this is why the Patriots are the best example. They just change their system you know, to attack defensive deficiencies and to use their players' strengths. So... If you've got a running quarterback in Jacoby Brissett, you run a little bit more zone read, and you run more power run to the outside, then you run more bootleg passes. But if you won't change your system, and you won't adapt to having Greg Olson as a 26-year-old tight end... God, don't 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 bring that up to us again. Come on. so hurtful. Come on. If you won't change your system for guys... That are, are dynamic talents. Then you're bringing the Brandon Montemolli. Then you're going to be on Fox F1 Sports. FS1? FS1 Sports. That's the worst channel I've ever seen. Oh. So, and, 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 and what the thing is that I think is so interesting is that in today's NFL, I know this has been a long, drawn-on thing, but when I'm we'll just we'll, it, we'll just truncate what we got in here. But, okay, guys, all I'm guys, saying guys, is th- that the guys that are always going to be successful, the guys that are going to be willing to adapt to what they have as opposed to being the system guys. The system guys may have worked in the past, but you know what? It ain't been working anymore, and it's time for a Battle of Alberta! Jesus. Damn right. I do not want this beer ever. I've always been kind of a loner. I avoided other people like they were zombies even before they were zombies. Now that they are all zombies, I kind of miss people. All right, we got 10 minutes to close out three teams. Or else I gotta have the uh, MP3 on a lower uh, audio level to okay. make it so Houston. the Blog Radio. You knock out Texans. We're not saying a word. I got nothing to say, but Lamar Miller has been waiting to play against the AFC South. Tell him. Yes. Bitch lap. Been waiting to play against the AFC South. Been waiting to play against Indy, who just got torched by Jordan Howard on 15 carries. Hang on. I'm in Garland, Texas. And it may look like zombies destroyed it, but that's actually just Garland. All right, so, you know, Lamar Miller going up against Indy. It's a great play. Play Lamar Miller. If he doesn't score this week, I will be deeply surprised. Um, DeAndre Hopkins has had some great games against Indy. 
I think you could definitely play him. You definitely should play him. Will Fuller getting the second corner, not Vontae Davis. You know, we saw what Cam Meredith was able to do with these guys. And Darius Butler, you know, he suffered an injury, and he looks like he's done for a few weeks. <laughs> definitely play all those guys. Play everyone. What? I, I'm not on the C.J. Fedorowicz. Or no. Maybe, maybe Ryan Griffin, Griffin. more than Fedorowicz. But he's still a tight end to real deep sort of shot. Remember, Fedorowicz was uh, drafted by O'Brien. So there's some little angle that he wants to make it seem like he didn't make it. Yeah, but Fedorowicz is an Iowa guy. I saw the guy play in college. The guy That's is right. not a burner. He's, he's, a, he's a huge body. He's a good target in the red zone. You're hoping for a touchdown. He's more out there because he can block. If you were, if he was a burner at Iowa, you probably would have seen, seen a lot. He would have been Tony seen a lot more of him. He would have been Tony Moyaki, and he would have been injured and not playing for every team in the NFL. I don't think that's the kind of burner he was referring yeah. to. Uh, <laughs> well, you're correct on that assessment as well. <laughs> Go on. Jets, Arizona. Yes. Todd Bowles against his old team. We gotta get. We gotta knock this out in nine minutes. We can be. We can do it. I don't have much to say about this. All right. This is a tough matchup for Matt Forte. I'll tell you my my pieces. Yeah. Tough matchup for Matt Forte. Marshall's gonna get the volume of, of, of uh, targets, but he's also gonna get the volume of Patrick Peterson. So that's gonna limit uh, the the high end potential that you're gonna have for him. Eric Decker's probably still not gonna be back for this game. Ooh. Quincy Anunua has not been as impressive as he was early in the season. Uh, it seems like it's starting to wear on him. He's starting to get a little dinged up right now. But the fact is that they really don't have anything else going on there. Austin Safarian Jenkins is just not that good. Fitzmagic has been Fitzcrapic. And so that's all I got to say about the Jets. Fill in the blanks for me. I mean, I think it could be a fairly decent week for Forte. I mean, what they they went up 70 yards and a touchdown to Blunt, 110 yards and two touchdowns uh, to LeSean McCoy, 78 yards and a touchdown to Carlos Hyde. So if, if you're a Forte owner, I wouldn't be too scared of this Arizona defense. Marshall targets are going to be there. Of course, tough coverage. But we saw him beat up Sherman for a little bit there, but then be shut down for you know eight of his other targets. So that, that that's a tough call. The rest of these guys, Anunua, yeah, Anunua's a wide receiver three flex play. Other than that, ASJ, not yet. Got to see him in this offense. Finally had a catch by their tight end. Uh, but yeah, this could be a pretty good Bull Powell game if they have to play catch up. Because it sounds like Carson Palmer is going to play for the other side. That's what it looks like. Cleared today. Yeah. So he's back in practice probably tomorrow when they get back on the practice field. That's great. Well, let's because, flip it over there because oh, I am. That, this is where, where everybody's major concern is, especially uh, all the people who are John Brown owners who, who saw the ridiculous, uh, what was it, one catch for, for 11 yards, 12 yards last week. Um that's John Brown 101 right there. Yeah, coming uh, up this huge game, then giving you just a shit box. But especially when you're not having Carson Palmer, so that's the other thing too, is you know for for the entire passing game there, Carson Palmer is extremely needed, and the Jets have been kind of abused uh, in the passing game this year. Deep passes, you know, they've gotten torched by everybody. I don't know if Revis is even going to want to play in this one. So Michael Floyd could you know get going again, but he also sort of got passed for snaps, 
by Jaron Brown, which is scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so John Brown, Jaron Brown, you know, these guys are going to attack deep. We know what Fitz is going to be able to do short. Uh, I think Fitz has is going to have the best game because I think the Jets can play short coverage. I just don't know if they can play deep coverage. Uh, but, hey, and I was He's wrong. just been the best. Throughout the season, I mean, yeah, even, you got to start. To be honest, not even close. The Jets have given up eight pass plays of forty yards or more. Second most in the league. Second most in the league to Oakland. Yeah, we don't have to worry about their tight ends. And David Johnson is currently RB one on the season. I and don't that care. defensive line is still stopping the run. So I, don't, I don't care. You yeah. still have to stop. You have to play David Johnson, and. He's probably their second best receiver behind Floyd, anyways. That's the whole point. Or he behind Fitz. Fitz. Excuse Fitz. me. Fitz. That was a clear error. Yes. Don't. <laughs> what? Are they almost? Are they almost making it seem like they want to just show Floyd that he deserves nothing and start walking? No, it doesn't make sense because the NFL. Here's here's what it is. If you thought that you had another four years on a Fitzgerald, yes, that maybe you could trade Floyd in the off season to somebody. I don't think it's just no, but it's not even that. Floyd's been around for a long time. It's not like this guy is a... It's not good. He's not, you know, he's like Crabtree, right? It took him a while to develop. No, he's nowhere near Crabtree. No, 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 but I'm saying it's like, like Crabtree. It's like Justin Hunter at this point. Well, but he's, no, he's better than Justin Hunter. He's put up better numbers than that. The but fact he's, that you even guy, say that. Listen, but he's a guy that had, had a great run at the end of last year, had had about two years before that, had a good season. He's shown you flashes, and he's shown you that he can actually be a competent receiver. Problem is, he's not giving it to you on a daily basis. What what good does it do for the Cardinals to beat down his value unless they want to bring him back? Because if you're going to say, okay, well, when Larry Fitzgerald is I gone, you know, it doesn't make any no, sense. Good point. One thing that I saw that I thought was very telling was on, a, I think it was a third down play, on the sideline where you see a crab tree, mm-hmm. catch the ball, the, the patter his feet. He grabbed it, bobbled it, and you saw in the shot, Arians right there, like looking to the sky, like this fucking guy cannot make a play. And I think at the end of the day, he makes so many times he can't make the play that I think it's just like, all right. I think the team sees it. Everyone's like, we can't rely on this guy in the, in, in the crux, in the heat of the moment, and they're they're they're, they're moving away from him. Well, that's all I got to no, say. I want to say this. I didn't know that. And if that's happened, he's been on that team long enough with Arians long enough. That if that's the case, I feel a lot better about my John Brown ownership right For now. Sure, as you should. Because if that's what Arians feeling, that he's going to be dictating to, to Carson. Do you ball see that Larry, the ball I mean, it was just like, you <laughs> kidding me? How you oh, bobble yes. that play? Good. That's one of the six in the crawl, right? So, all right, John Brown, I'm happy then. Yeah. All right, I got nothing else to say here. Uh, Carson Palmer. Coming back in concussion, yeah. uh, you know, obviously is a highly ranked uh, or drafted quarterback or higher drafted quarterback this year. Shit in the bed so far. In this game, do you think he can do something great? And what's you? He's actually on the waiver wire in, in some leagues at this point. What are your thoughts on uh, Palmer? And then I say we shut it down. And, I have, I have and one thought, and I'll let Stags uh, finish it out. Okay. Let me begin my three-part apology by saying that I think you're a wonderful human with great potential. That FYI, I beat wholesale ass for a lot less than that. I'm sure. You get uh, 45% power. Thank you. So Carson Palmer, I think he's a back-end QB1 this week. 
he should be able to get going against the Jets. And if not, with that beat-up secondary, I have major, major concerns going forward to where I'm willing, if I'm a Carson Palmer homer, I have to go out and start streaming the position on a weekly basis. There you go. We got anything else here? I think we're good. That's it. Let's do it. All right. Hey, guys, we love you. One thing I'm going to mention is we're going to give us an iTunes review. Give us a five-star rating. Me and Mo haven't figured it out yet, but we're going to start offering um, two jerseys for the next round. And that will include, if you do a, uh, a review for us, October 11th, moving forward. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's going to be one of the. Uh, it's going to be a game jersey off of NFLShop.com. It's going to be an option which is uh, worth uh, at 99 bucks. It can be any player you want. Another one that we're talking about doing is a um, is a, a color rush, which is 150. So I think after week 12, we're going to give away two NFL jerseys of the player of your choice. One can be a color rush. If you don't want a color rush, you can do a, a game uh, jersey. And then you can have a game jersey as well. So whatever player you like, I think that's a dope little reward. Can I, All you got to do is go to iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, any of these, and give us a review. And if you, you'll be put into the lottery pot, and we'll jersey? pick your name. No. Damn it. You only wear Blackhawks and oh, White Sox wear, stuff. I anyway. have lots of jerseys. <laughs> Yeah, I love your Hayward hey, Jeffries. I like that. Houston Oilers. What do you got, Stags? Then let's shut this down and put more Adam Ants into the mix. Tell your friends. All your friends. Get your friends to review. We'll count those as other entries. I like that. I like that. Just give us reviews. Help our stature. Tell people about us at the, at the work cooler. Let Help us spread the gospel. Pyro, you know what we do. Who's sitting here giving you three-hour podcasts every week? Who's Check out our website. Who's doing this? Also, listen, no to, one. listen to Stat help Party us. as the score Chicago Sports Radio's number one Chicago sports station. As the their, their fantasy football expert, he will be on on Saturday, Sunday mornings from 8 a.m. till 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. You can also find it on... Uh, we reposting uh, the repostings on yeah, Twitter as well on Twitter, uh, but you can also go into TuneIn Radio and you can listen to him live if you're not in the Post Chicago that on Facebook, Network. Bro. Yeah, absolutely. Post that link on Facebook. We love you guys. It's week six. If you're ha- not having a great season so far, it happens to all of us. Stick with it. Fortitude. Go through it. It's a long season. Don't rest on your laurels if you're having a great season. Keep making the moves. Let's do this. It's a long season. We want to make you champions. We love you. Adamant, desperate, but not serious.
Columbus, Ohio, from Zombieland, saying goodnight.